This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Bronner. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Oh, it's good to be back in the studios of WNSP. Cold and wet outside, but we're in the comfy confines here for the next three hours right here on the sports station WNSP and WNSP.com. Thanks for hanging with us. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee and Bronner, the gang's all back together. Uh, we encourage you to join the conversation as always at 694-1055. And of course, you can get us in the app, WNSP.com. Got a loaded down show for you and plenty to discuss. Take it away, Mr. Shervanian. If the uh, Buffalo Bills do not make the playoffs this year, they may look back on last night's game as a key <laughs> reason. If they lose out by maybe one game, their record at 5-5, five and five, they were a favorite to win the AFC East. Right now, lagging at 5-5. Five and five. All right, so during the course of the game, they committed four turnovers, although Denver... Obviously, challenge could only score six points of the four turnovers. But the real key was at the end of the game, a record-setting field goal by former Saint Will Lutz, 36 yards, the sixth walk-off field goal this weekend, which set an NFL record. But here's the uh, the real story: he missed a 41-yarder with no time remaining. But the Bills had 12 players on the field in an NFL game with all the coaches. And everything in in place like that, they wind up with 12 players on the field. They would have won the game. As it is, Lutz got a second chance. He connected, and Denver leaves Buffalo with a improbable win, 24-22. Yeah, so that's my question. There's somebody out there on the field that isn't supposed to be there. Are there various forms of field goal block? I guess there is. How does that happen? Like, everybody's watching. It's not one of those things where it's the middle of the game and, like, I don't know, special teams or you're part of, like, the defense and you're getting – or offense and you're getting instruction from your assistant coaches. It's the end of the game. Like, everybody is watching this unfold. They're running the field goal team out there, the field goal block team. Someone out there has got to be like – you know what? I'm going out there this time. It's going to be awesome. Lutz did not have his best game. You know, in addition to missing the 41-yarder, he also missed an extra point. They botched up another extra point. But nevertheless, he came through when it mattered the most. Denver now has won three in a row after that ridiculous start under Sean Payton. But Buffalo, a team that – you talk about an up-and-down team. Now Josh Allen was – seriously, I said in the notes, it's, he's kind of all of us watching your favorite team play in that situation. Because it's such a typical way to lose the NFL, right? You get the pass interference call, which was a legit call, right? I'm not, I'm not complaining about that, but it's a spot foul. And at that point, you're like, you just lost the game because it wound up putting him in a field goal position. And just his reaction and, like, it's – that's what I hate about that NFL spot rule. And then you go and you miss – the field goal, so or the Broncos, so like Buffalo's all pumped, and then there's this ridiculous penalty. Again, still a penalty, but as a professional football organization, you just can't do that. 
So Josh Allen was just beside himself at the end of the game and like I just I think all NFL fans can relate because you probably got some story that that is much like what Josh Allen was living at that point. You cannot there is no excuse for having 12 players on the field especially any time of the game but the end of a game with the other team lining up for a perhaps game-winning field goal and you botch that up like that I mean like I said they may finish out of the postseason they may not make the playoffs because of one game they can point to last night's game it was ridiculous that they lost that game Allen threw two interceptions fumbled the ball away to Denver's credit, uh, Russell Wilson, not the greatest game of his career, but at least he didn't turn the ball over. I, I hate that penalty call, and I understand it is a penalty. It's just the most annoying, especially when it like when it gets called against your team. It's the most annoying call. Yeah. The old, like, chuck it up, and it's a terrible throw, but it's underthrown, so the defender has no choice but to run into the receiver. And, you know, it is. you brought up it's the spot foul because the NFL rule, which is not... I go back and forth on that one because, like, I kind of like how they do it in college, but at the same time, you could just tackle a guy 40 yards down the field if it was only a 15-yard penalty. And Honestly, I don't know why they don't do that in college more often. Right. But, uh, man, I to see the game end that way, and believe me, I wasn't hurting over Buffalo losing a, uh, a brutal November game at home to Denver, and they seem to be really falling apart as a team. It's fine by me, but uh, I, I do hate but that But to call. your point, so Russell, like, the, the ball was underthrown, so I don't really blame the defensive back there. I mean, it was it was just it was just really – it just kind of was what it was. But I, I've always said we should do pass interference in the NFL like they do flagrant one in, in, in like, NBA. Like, it should be – it should be a – like, if you literally – it should be a 15-yard spot penalty if it's something like what happened last night. If it's something where he intentionally, like, grabs him, then let's make it a spot foul. But I'm with you on the 50, on, on the pass interference. Always have been in the NFL. About the only bright spot in the game was appearance of DeMar Hamlin, fourth quarter. First appearance on the field since his cardiac arrest uh, back in week 17 of last year so. It was quite a story to get him back on the field, but it, it did not help the uh, Buffalo Bills. So this coming Friday is the hearing, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan versus the Big Ten. Does he get the suspension lifted? So Harbaugh holds a press conference yesterday, and it was about as nutty as a fruitcake as you can get. <laughs> um, he I, And one story says that he wants to talk. He he. He wants to be like Tom Cruise and a few good men, get his appearance before the court. However, in another, he says he's not sure that he's this is this is hard. He's not sure he'll be allowed to speak, but he wants to speak. But some of the other stuff he said was just crazy. Calling Michigan America's team. Yeah, I think that's the most overworked term we have ever since the Dallas Cowboys got coined the America's team. It seems like everybody just throws out around. But he says, yeah, we, we should be America's team because the adversity, the naysayers, what they said about us, that doesn't make America's team. According to Harbaugh, it does, though. And then he talked about uh, Shamar Moore's rant at the end of the game. And Jim said, I was five feet away from the TV. And it was just so great to hear and that, uh, you know, what the players did out there and, and so forth. So, yeah, he went on uh, for a while. He mentioned how Judge Judy's one of his favorite shows. And, and this really got me because they showed a video that he actually sat in yeah. in the studio 
watching a, a Judge Judy show, but maybe he can pick up on some of that if he gets the opportunity to testify in the sign-stealing scandal. The hearing is this Friday. Yeah, he gave Judge Judy and Tom Cruise references in, like, back-to-back sentences. He goes, I'm not, I don't exactly know how it's going to go. I'm going to be able to go, though. It's not my dance floor. I'm not the attorney. Always wanted to be. Watched a lot of shows. I watched Judge Judy. A lot of fun. Always kind of felt like it'd be cool to get up there and thunder away at a jury like Tom Cruise and A Few Good Men or be a judge like Judge Judy. But alas, I did not you, go to law school. You remember the coach we had on and has been on at times who loved the ju- Judge Judy? And when he retired, he said, this will give me more time to watch Judge Judy. Yeah. Tommy Bowden. Yeah. Uh, no, I... I you're right. Harbaugh's a nut, man. He's an odd guy. Very quirky interview. Uh, we'll talk more about that a little later on. Uh, as regarding the uh, firings, the Texas A&M, we talked about this yesterday. Oregon's Dan Lanning. His name has been obviously thrown around. He said to a question, he said, absolutely no. I'm staying at Oregon. I'm not going anywhere. These are words that sometimes can come back to haunt a coach. Yeah, he said he got every. He's got everything he needs. Right there at Oregon. Sneakers, footwear, everything he needs. Multiple shades of green. There Whatever. <laughs> Fancy uniforms. Yeah, it was. Uh, everybody's. This, this is kind of the silly season now, right? This is where all the coaches get asked. I mean, Lane Kiffin was asked on Sunday, Dan Lanning today or yesterday, and so we'll, we'll make the rounds. Nick Saban was asked about the firings, not that he was up for any jobs. Well, you know he, what? He had his canned response that he shared with everybody. So late yesterday, my wife asked me. She wasn't aware of the Texas A&M, and she asked me, why was he fired? Well, you know, I spouted off, obviously, some of the reasons, the record, and this and that. But I pointed out, too, that you see more and more firings basically because of Nick Saban. The success he's had, teams want to identify with that. They want to get to that level. Nick has raised the bar so high, though, no matter what happens at other schools, because they can't get to that or because he constantly dominates, what, for 18 years. And I think that has a lot to do with it. And you look at Fisher's record against Saban, what was it, like 1-5 or 1-6 or something like that, as well as some of the other high-profile teams. But, again, and it's not Nick's fault. I mean, his job is to go out and win games. But And this has been said before. I'm not the first one to say this. But he has raised the bar so high that it gives other programs, they look at this and say, why can't we do this? Uh, I don't – maybe – but wouldn't it be more relevant or wouldn't it be more fair to say it's not Nick Saban? That, couldn't you put that on Kirby Smart? Well, I think it goes back further because Smart was on Saban's staff for many, many years. And this, this is but something that Kirby came out Smart, years ago. But, but you're saying he got fired because he couldn't beat Saban. Maybe it's that he couldn't beat Saban. It's maybe because other guys have been able to do what people said couldn't be done. And he was the expected to be the one to do it, right? They gave him the whole blank plaque and everything and, <laughs> and, and said, you're going to win championships. Well, how are you going to do that? You, you can't beat Saban. Nobody can beat Saban. Oh, wait. Look what Kirby's doing over there. Kirby's doing exactly what we said we were going to do well, here. Well, I think, in my opinion, a little bit off on this one because you got to, first of all, to be Kirby, you got to get to the uh, championship game, and you can't do that because Alabama kind of rules the roost, and, and LSU did it times too. So he can't even get to the championship game, let alone – I'm talking about the SEC title game now, to even face Georgia. Right. 
But this is this is not a this is not something that you know I made up. This has been going back way before Smart took over Georgia. That teams are more prone to fire coaches now because they think that there's somebody out there that can get them to where Saban is. And you know this even goes further back, way back with coaches. I remember when Jeff Bauer was fired at Southern Miss, and then there was a rash like R.C. Slocum. Uh, I'm trying to remember the coach that was fired at Nebraska who went to Ohio. And the reason that was given, or at least, remember Hawaii had that unbelievable record with Brennan at quarterback. They went like 12-0 and 0 or something like that. And all of a sudden, ADs and presidents thought, well, wait a minute, if Hawaii can do this, why can't we? So you had this rash of firings that coaches that always had a winning record but never got like undefeated. You know, they'd go like 10-2, and 9-3, something like that. And as it turned out to most of those programs, they never even got to the level where Bauer and Slocum and, and, and Nebraska, uh, and uh, Solich, that's his, it was Solich, I think it was, in Nebraska, they had very good years. Not great years, but very good years. And because people saw what Hawaii did, and how, if they can do it, why can't we? So they started firing their coaches. There's only one man for the job at A&M. Uh-oh. I'm all, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me let me let me move over. I'm trying to get to the edge of my seat here. Okay, go. Urban Meyer. <laughs> I think Mike Elko is going to get a lot of consideration because if you look at Elko's record as a coordinator there, what what it was when he was there, and and since then he's left. It's like 11 and 11. I think he was defensive coordinator, but they were very very good when he was there. I'm not saying he's going to get it. I'm just saying he's going to get strong consideration. I think that might be might be pretty likely. I don't know. I I think they should hire Urban, but taking a big swing after this might be might be unlikely. Well, yeah, so what's the contract look like though for whoever gets it? I mean, do huge. they do they is huge. it huge? Yeah. Do they go they, There's like no there's no big again. It's like a bottomless pit. Hmm. I don't know. It's a bottomless. I mean, I'm pit. not saying they're they're, they're Look, pulling if you somebody can pay in out, a million if you can a year, pay out 77 or whatever it is. You've got money to bring in whoever you want, so they'll go the extra mile on this. The school that obviously can't go that direction, and you look at the candidates that are listed, is Mississippi State. Someone said uh, Jeff Trailer, the UTSA coach. That's a possibility. I, I mean, because of his Texas roots. So I mean, like it could end up being a. I don't, I don't want to say boring, but like a yeah, not as an exciting big, hire like that. I don't that. know if he's as big enough uh, for the A&M people because now you're competing with Texas again, and you know they come in with Oklahoma. I, I think Elko is going to be in the top two or three. I Obviously, Lanning takes his name out of it, but you know what? You never can say never. Remember when Saban said he wasn't leaving Miami? Kirby has beaten Saban one time, by the way. Well, what's that have to do with this conversation? It doesn't. Just why, comments. Why does that have something com- to, uh, comments to do with it? It's just comments in the app. Because we were talking about. I made the point that uh, that you were talking about how Saban was uh, not the reason, but a factor, a very big factor. These and, raised I, and I the was level. simply saying that maybe it was Kirby because Kirby has shown that he can win the SEC and the national championship in, our, in a Nick Saban dominate, dominating in an era dominated by Saban. That's why. 18 years of success. And again, and, and this is the way ADs, and, and you know what? Don't we often talk about, you know, the, the tuitions at school and thing like that? Over the last two years, $146 million buyouts 
since 2022 for Power 5 coaches that have been fired, including Brian Harrison, Scott Frost. Jimbo takes over half of that. Yeah. All right, so it's 619. We're going to get you started with some uh, scoreboard, some traffic, and some weather. Uh Spanish Ford coach Chase Smith can join us around 6.30. Travis Ryer on Alabama at 7. Jerry Palm at 7.30. Ross Jackson on the Saints in the NFL at 8. And Angelique Shingalis of the Detroit News set for 8.30. We'll get the latest on Harbaugh and everything going on up there. We're just getting started. It's the opening kickoff rolling along on a Tuesday edition. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. This is George Pada, bench coach of the Houston Astros, and you're listening to WNFT. Count them up. Uh, we're going to cover up some people. I don't even know where we're at. I don't know. They say yeah, there's 12. 12. You got it. There's the 12. There's guy. 12. Back there in the back, Terrell Bernard. Yeah, so they milked the clock. There was like four seconds left. After they got penalized, uh, Lutz got to do it again. Although, I will say this, Blake Groupie's looking like a better better kicker here um, the day after a Monday night game if you're a Saints fan, right? Although, Lutz, as bad as Lutz was, I mean, Groupie hadn't been great, but this is going to be a thing for Saints fans for years. Well, this was a cost saver. And, you know, in the history of the Saints, they've let some pretty good uh, kickers like Morton Anderson depart and unfortunately, that backfired because he went to Atlanta and continued to kick very well. I want to tell you about Dr. Christopher Mullenix and Dr. Aaron Wallander, two outstanding oral surgeons. Many of the listeners out there voted them to Lanyap's uh, Oral Surgery of the Year. They're with Mobile Fa- Oral and Facial Surgery. We thank them for their sponsorship of Game Day. We'll be out at Mobile Christian this coming Friday. He, Dr. Mullenix and his staff have impressed me over the years with their professionalism, very much attention to detail, very personable staff, by the way. They provide facial trauma, knocked out teeth, wisdom teeth, dental implants. It goes on and on. I've been there many, many times. They have yet to name a room after me, but I'm sure after my next dental implant, you know, that could be forthcoming. But We'll start uh, a campaign. I think we should. I really do. Uh, but I've been there so many times, so I certainly can make a, a, a recommendation. I'm not the one to refer, but and you don't need a referral. Just give them a call if you want to make an appointment, 471-3381, located at 715 Downtowner Boulevard. Dr. Christopher Mullenix, oral surgeon, mobile oral and facial surgery. All right. The no pain, little discomfort room. Still haven't seen the shirts that you were promised me. They're on back order. It's a supply chain issue. We're working on it. Uh, you guys can jump in at 694-1055. By the way, Iron Bowl is set. Shockingly, it's uh, at 2.30. Saturday. Yeah. CBS. Yeah, a week from this Saturday. Right? Yes. Uh, this week, it's it uh, Chattanooga. And also, on that weekend, you still get Ole Miss Mississippi State on Thanksgiving night. You get Missouri-Arkansas on Friday. And then, of course, a slew of games involving SEC teams. The Texas A&M game against LSU is a 11 a.m. game. What do you think about uh, Dan Mullen back to Starkville? I'm not a big fan of Dan Mullen, but I'll tell you what. I think I'd probably rather see him there than doing the college football preview and final. Yeah, I'd be for that. Take a lot of, like, please come back, Dan. Like, we should have never gotten rid of you. 
yeah. on their part, but uh, well, well, they didn't get rid of him. Well, I got. I mean, he went to Florida. Yeah, fair enough. He didn't. They didn't fire him. He went to Florida to take over. I don't know. That didn't go well. Went okay. Well, if it went okay, he'd still be coaching. <laughs> he didn't like to recruit. It still doesn't, by the way. Very good. That's a very good point. Uh, we're going to talk some high school football next. Uh, Spanish sport coach Chase Smith is going to join us. Travis Ryer at 7 o'clock. We'll have some fried deliciousness coming your way next. And, oh, yeah, we got another round of naming it today, too. Plenty going on. Stay with us. Chick-fil-A I could eat there seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A Lee Shervanian is ready to present you an opportunity to win a little fried deliciousness here on the opening kickoff, so let it rip. All right, I'm going to ask for your advice. In addition to the Chick-fil-A, should we give away some JAG basketball tickets? Yes. Okay, you say yes, we're going to do it. South Alabama is at Alabama tonight. I don't have tickets for you. <laughs> um, but on Thursday, they open up a three-day tournament. Actually, it's Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. I'm going to include four tickets to Thursday night's game. The Jags are hosting Nickel State, a team that just beat LSU. First game is SI Edwardsville against Denver. So you get the four tickets, and if you can't use them and you win, give them to somebody so they can go out and enjoy basketball. The question is, I want you to name the college football coach, and as far as I know, he's the only one who's ever done this, the coach who won a Heisman as a player and coached a player who won the Heisman. All right? Let that sink in. A, a college coach who, when he played, won the Heisman, and then in turn, when he was a coach, coached a Heisman Trophy winner. If you know the answer, you get four tickets to the Jags. Thursday night, opener of a three-day tournament, which goes from Thursday through Sunday, and, of course, the fried deliciousness. There you go. I had to slow down to make sure I got it all in there. All right. Let's talk uh, high school football. Chase Smith, who was once at uh, South Alabama doing a great job at uh, Spanish Fort these days, and with their 9-2 and two record, they enter the second round of postseason. They've got a school called Pike Road. Chase, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Hey, good morning, guys. How are you all? So is this a revenge game this coming Friday? Uh, yeah, you could call it that. You know, we uh, it's it's a great story deal for for us, and you know, obviously they put us out last year, and uh, same same field we went to them and uh, lost by one there last year. So it's definitely something we want to get another chance at, get up there and, and play them again. So is this team you're facing similar in roster and to players as to the team you saw last year, or have they changed a lot in personnel? No, I mean, I, th I think they are. I mean, I think they, they lost one or two guys, kind of like we did. But I think as a whole, they, they've got a really good group coming back. Uh, you know, Pike Road's, what, two years removed from state championship, uh, 5A. And then uh, last year, had a good year. Uh, this year, they're region champs, uh, playing really, really good football. You know, and uh, Coach Shook, I know him real well. 
Uh, the, he does a really good job, and, and they're very well coached and uh, play the game hard, and uh, I think it's going to be a really good football game. Tell me where your team is now. Are you playing your best football? I think we are. You know, I, I, I'm really proud of this group, uh, really happy with what we've done. Um, some of our weaknesses coming on beginning of the year, we've, we've really rectified and got better. Uh, we're really playing uh, together as a group, which is important. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of kids believing and playing with confidence and uh, playing with a lot of energy. And uh, I think we're a physical football team, you know, and I pride, pride myself on that. And, uh, you know, so what we've gotten to get us here, we've done the things we've talked about all year and, and doing it at a pretty high level, taking care of the football, playing really good defense, sound defense, uh, and just executing um, at, a, at a level I thought we could offensively, and I think we're getting to there to that point right now. All right, let's expound on the offense. Where do you stand offensively? Where do you need improvement? And just give us kind of a – uh, a quick, uh, let's say, information about what the offense has to do this coming Friday. Yeah, I think if you go back, I mean, we knew it was going to be a process offensively. And offense seems to always kind of be that way, you know, moving parts and things like that. And we've had a young offense, a lot of guys with not a lot of experience. So I think, you know, that's the tough thing as a coach is how do you get experience without going through it, you know, and that's what's helped us through the year. Uh, seeing different fronts, seeing different types of defenses, and uh, really us kind of as coaches figuring out what we're really good at and what, hey, this this guy here, this this is not as comfortable. Let's not do that. You know, let's make it our own. So I think we're at that point. Um, you know, uh, Aiden Schamberger's done a good job coming on as a young quarterback. Uh, you know, our offensive line was young and not a ton of experience. They've done a great job of working and, and getting more fundamentally sound and executing higher level. And you know it all kind of starts there up front. And just coming together with our package as far as what our personnel fits and, and what the, what our needs are and, and what they're good at. So that's kind of where we're at. It's been a progression, and uh, I really feel like that we've come a long way. Is your defense playing at a high level now? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you now. I mean, you know me, Lee. I mean, I, I you know, I kind of keep it, you know, just even keel. But I was really proud of them last week. You know, uh, uh, it was a very physical football game. You know, Bessemer City is a good football team that came in here. And uh, it was a wet game. I think our kids didn't really let that affect them. Uh, you know, it was a nasty game. And, and the field was, was tough to play on and, and all those things. But, uh, I mean, I think we played a really physical, sound football game up front. Defensively, I think we're flying around to the football. And, uh, you know, I see, I see a lot of great gap integrity. I see us really holding and understanding our coverages and things like that. And just playing really a lot of high effort. You know, that's what I like to see. And, and they're having fun doing it. So, I mean, it, it was really fun to watch Friday. I had, a, I had a really good time watching those guys fly around. A couple of weeks ago, I say a couple of weeks ago, I don't remember the timeline, Sterling Dixon was hurt. We weren't sure he'd even come back, but apparently he's back on the playing field. Is he playing at a high level now? Yes. Yeah, he is, and kudos to that kid. You know, we, we had a little signing uh, thing for him the other day uh, just to honor him, you know, because we'll be out of school on the 20th, and he'll, he's a mid, mid-year mid uh, graduate and all those things. But, you know, I'm just super proud of him with the transition and, and coming in, and he, he's a great kid, great attitude. And he had some adversity this year. We all know he had, had that injury, and he could have easily just said, "You know, I'm I'm gonna bow out. I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of this. I'm gonna think about me." He's just a team first guy, and uh, you know he's got a really high work ethic. And so, 
he's playing at a high level. Uh, he's, he's, you know, blessed to be, you know, a, a great football player physically, but mentally and emotionally, he's, he's, I can't say enough about him as well. And it's, it's been a joy to have him and, uh, he's a leader for us, but yeah, he, he's playing at a high level as well. I'll, I'll conclude with this. If you win and if Sarah Land continues to win, when would you meet them again? Would it be week three or week four? Week four. All right, that'd be like the state semifinal then. So you still would have to get through somebody and they would have to also. Correct. All right. Hey, Chase, good luck. I know you're on the road. Would you Do you have a chance to get a home game in week three? Yeah, we'll see. We're on the bottom of the bracket, uh, but, you know, we'll see. But, you know, all Pike Road for this week. So we'll get get to that when we get to it. But, hey, am I eligible for those tickets, Lee? Say I got it. your answer. You want tickets? You get them. Oh, look at that. Yeah, Chase, I'll it. take I know who that is. I know who it is. Yeah, okay. I won't uh, say it. Don't say it. Well, but. hang on, hang on, because we have a winner, right? Uh, we do. All right, so, Coach, tell us the answer to the question. Steve Spurry. You're right. And Boom. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Chase. You uh, next time we meet, you get a Chick Fil A. Did you need basketball tickets? I I think it'd be busy Thursday, aren't you? Though getting ready for the uh, trip yeah, to Pike I'm Road. Next time I, I see you, you owe me a flip phone. You owe me a flip phone. You got, you oh, I do have a few at home that are out of use now. So yeah, I'll give you a flip phone. I know. All right. <laughs> but plus, you get a Chick Fil A. Congratulations, Chase. <laughs> right. uh, thanks, guys. Always Appreciate good talking with you. Great talking day. to you. Bye bye now. All right, so who was the, uh, in addition to Chase, who else won uh, some fried deliciousness there? Uh, Glenn. Glenn. Nice job, Glenn. Who was the uh, Heisman Trophy winner that Spurrier coached? Uh, who won the Heisman under Spurrier? Was it, uh, it was one of his quarterbacks, right. right? Yeah. I'm trying to figure out which one won the Heisman. Werfel. Was it Werfel? It was Werfel. Yeah, Danny Werfel. How about that? I think he isn't he living in New Orleans now and doing Danny Waffle. Yeah, doing <laughs> Waffle. Uh. <laughs> Sperrier, of course, won it as a uh, Gator. And as far as I know, he's the only one that, uh, at least in his book, he says he is. <laughs> I have to go by that. Anyway, uh, congratulations to Glenn. You got the answer right. And well, the coach. Exactly. Yeah. Chase knew the answer. Uh, when we come back, um, by the way, uh, speaking of high school football, as you mentioned, our Dr. Christopher Monarch's high school game day takes us to Mobile Christian this week, uh, we, where we will be broadcasting. So looking forward to that. If you're in the area, stop by. Say hi. Yeah, they, from what I got, they said we're going to be in the leopard den. So we just got to figure out where that is. Uh, the leopard's den. Yeah. We'll uh, find it. You'll, you'll get there first. We'll get figure there. Figure it out. Well, first I have to get through the gate. And no, I do not remember the code from last week. I do, actually. Do you really? Was it last week? We were no, in it was a couple we were weeks ago. There. You're going to have a good time out there, uh, Michael. The uh, the field's great condition. They had new turf put down. Otherwise, they would have had a major issue with the rain they had on Friday, but they played their way through it. Very cozy little press box. You're right on top of the action. I believe it's your first trip out there to broadcast. It is indeed. And it'll be great for you because the turf is new. So that, that bodes well for you. Freshments are good, too. Well, there you go. Yeah. Looking forward to it. All, all the priorities. All the, all, the, all the boxes are checked for you, Bronner. All right, we come back. We'll see when we catch up with David Green. Travis Ryer is going to join us at 7 o'clock. Jerry Palm at 730.
Ross Jackson on the Saints in the NFL at 8 o'clock. Angelique Shingalis from the Detroit News is set to join us at 8.30. She covers Jim Harbaugh. If anything, it, it'll be entertaining. We'll wrap up hour number one next right here on the Sports Station. WNSP and WNSP.com. Stay with us. My name is Robert Brazil. I'm from the class of 2018 Pro Football Hall of Fame. You're listening to WNSP. on giving welcome back in it's the opening kickoff let's welcome in uh, david green from the green and uh, phillips injury law firm david welcome to the show good morning how are you today hey good morning fellas how are y'all had a successful hunting trip i see yes i did we had a great time um up at uh white tail trophy hunts in north of charleston west virginia and uh our good friend uh that runs the place up there and and they're they're a great staff. We've had a wonderful time. It's a great place to go. Uh, Kenna, West Virginia, great place to deer hunt. Let's take this conversation out of the courtroom into the classroom and talk about the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm Scholarship. Yes, absolutely. As we know, education is very, very important for all of us, whether it's uh, regular college or it's vocational training or some type of other training. Green and Phillips supports our local families and our children because that is our future. We want to make sure that everybody uh, goes out and uh, goes to our website and applies for the Green and Phillips Scholarship. If you're, if, if you're a senior uh, graduating this year from high school, uh, we ask everyone to please go to our website, upload a video of why you, you think you should get the Green and Phillips Scholarship, and uh, we'll certainly look at it. It does not, it's not necessarily based on grades. It may be based on your situation uh, or your need. And so if you would just upload your video, just explaining what your goals are, what you're wanting to do, and hopefully uh, you'll be selected. But five high school seniors will be selected to get $2,000, the total of $10,000 that we're giving away. After this year, we will have given $70,000 away to the local community uh, to local high school seniors. What if somebody uploaded a video and went on and said, I would like to be a lawyer much like David Green? Would they have a better chance? I don't know about that, <laughs> but uh, you know, it really depends on you know, and, and that's a that's a you know, neat idea. We've had people do that, and actually, I think we've had a couple that have been selected. There's a selection committee at, at the firm. Um, I'm part of the committee. There's several other people that uh, are going to look at the video, but it doesn't have to be that you want to be a lawyer. Uh, you may uh, want to be a welder. You may want to be um, a pilot. You may want to be something else, and so. Uh, we really want to hear your story and uh, hear what your goals are, and hopefully we can plug in and make it, help you help make a difference for you. All right. This does not fall under the realm of cases that you would have, but I'm kind of curious, just from an advice standpoint, if Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan coach, called you and said, David, do you think I should talk and testify Friday at my hearing or just keep my mouth shut? You know, that's a, that's a really good question, Lee. And, uh, 
I don't know the whole story with that. I don't know that any of us know the whole story. Um, I believe that uh, you, know, you may want to really get uh, a little more parameters of kind of what they're wanting to know, and you might sort of, you know, I might be careful to let him testify too much. I don't, once again, I don't, I don't know exactly what they're saying. Uh, I know a little bit, but uh, you got to be careful. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I do not know his involvement, if any. But, uh, gosh, uh, that would be a tough call as his lawyer. He's going to have his hands full there, he or she, whoever represents him. Well, he, he, he said at his press conference yesterday he sat actually in a taping of Judge Judy, big fan of Judge Judy, so maybe he's picked up some legal advice. <laughs> Perhaps he has. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, we wish you the best as far as uh, letting our listeners know. How can they reach the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm? Any cases they have and, or any advice? What do they need to do? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to greenphillips.com. Um, very easy to, to reach us on the website, or you can call us at 251-300-2000 or stop by the Birmingham office in the Forbes building in downtown Birmingham or at 51 North Florida Street. We're always available. I always have coffee available. Love to sit down and chat with you about anything you want to talk about. Hey, let me ask you on the scholarship. Uh, you may have already answered this. When when do you uh, name a winner? You know, I believe it's at, uh, it's sometime in January, and I think it's on the website. I should know that, but I don't have that information in front of me. But I'll leave it sometime in January. Um, and but but please upload your videos. As many people uh, that that do it, it's just it's just a really good thing. Uh, we really want these kids to have this opportunity to win. And Josh, if you don't upload it, you can't you can't win. <laughs> so you need to make sure that you you apply for it, and uh, perhaps you'll be chosen. Thanks so much for the advice, and we'll check in with you next week. Have a great day. God bless, guys. I know we've already probably heard the voice that you hear, other than ours, but we should welcome a new team of the day. Should we do that? Well, just to mention that uh, the new team of the day on Tuesdays. Safety Shoes Plus, how about that? Uh, they've come aboard. We, it is. They have been in the community for so long. It's been so long that I did show out there when I was doing the afternoon show. I think it was in the Sports Cruiser. I did a show out like there. Like before Air Sports 1, it was a Sports Cruiser. And I still have footwear. From safety shoes. I'm rocking mine actually right now today. How about well, then, that? That that's really that that's kind of endorsement, well beyond a normal endorsement. I mean, those things, these things are, these things are like waterproof. I think no, me 15 years old. I think get me a pair of those. What kind of vehicle was the sports cruiser? This uh, it was basically a trailer, right? Yeah, it looked like <laughs> Michael. Picture this. You ever see the circus? And you'll see these trailers with maybe the the gorilla or the, uh, giraffe, you know, some animal that's big. Tra- that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> it's like, you know, it was. What it was, was it hauling? Pulled. Well, us. But <laughs> I, I'm just saying it was like a trailer in a sense that was being pulled. It wasn't like our bus now. It was a, a trailer, and we were being pulled to wherever we went. Uh, I had the unlikely experience of being doing a show as we get close to Iron Bowl. I was up there on a Saturday for the Iron Bowl, and we were broadcasting prior to the Iron Bowl, and we parked in one area, and right as the show was starting, this guy comes over and says, you're not allowed to park here. So I think Pablo was driving it. So he took the, um, well, he actually had to move it. 
So, and you're familiar, obviously, having gone to Alabama. So, what it was, he pulled out into the main road right in front of Bryant Denny mm. with me broadcasting or trying to broadcast back to the station. And we drove past the um, football stadium and parked where the baseball stadium is, where nobody was. We were actually in a uh, big parking lot and nobody was around us. Yeah, I had heard that story before. I thought that was in the current bus. You, you guys will have to scrounge me up a picture of that I old sports think, cruiser. I don't think it was the current bus. I, I don't remember how old how old is our bus. Uh, I don't know. 10 old. or 12 years? I don't know. It's, it's having some it all trouble right now. No, I mean, it's... Uh, hey, I saw it was moved from its original spot, though. I oh, saw it that. has been moved? I, I, well, can, that's, I, can, that's concur- I can confirm that, yes. That's big. Well, it's a start. No, it's both. It's both. It's both big and <laughs> both big and a start, and it might be the starter. Yeah. Okay, Michael. Um, clue us in. We had an NFL report. Belichick, coming or going? Going. Uh, I mean, I I just what what are we doing here? And, and I remember like, I guess it was when we were like two and five. We were talking about. That's when the news broke about the. Uh, contract extension i said to you at the time it's like i i, I don't think this really changes anything uh I, the, we knew uh, at least robert Kraft knew that going into the year doesn't mean he's gonna sit here and let the team be embarrassing week after week after week i don't think he's gonna get fired mid-season people have thrown that around i think that's pretty ridiculous but the team's two and eight they're a complete and utter embarrassment every single week uh they just went and embarrassed themselves on a national stage mac jones seems to be getting worse Every week, uh, I just uh, I'm so done. Bill Belichick has uh, ran this team into the ground. It hasn't helped that the quarterback isn't good, but the quarterback has no weapons. The quarterback has no offensive lines. I and again, I I'm not like at this point I'm not going to bat defending Mac Jones. I don't think he's a starting NFL quarterback, but it is what it is. Well, let uh, me um, and I w- it was my opinion when the Brady Belichick marriage broke up that this was going to happen. It was more to me, Brady was responsible for the wins. Now, I know it's been an ongoing debate, but I think now most of the uh, talk is that indeed that's the case because not only has New England not done well since Brady left, their their record is not very good at all, but how about Josh McDaniels, who's the offense coordinator, and he was given a, a lot of credit for Brady's success. Oh, was he? And now he can't even uh, stay on as a head coach. So two coaches who were thought to be geniuses when Brady was there, they haven't panned out. Well, I think McDaniels is a good coordinator. I mean, he they might- did, Mac Jones had a good rookie year with Josh McDaniels, to be fair. Uh, I just think Josh McDaniels is a terrible head coach uh, and a good coordinator. So it is what it is. And I hate the Brady versus Belichick success. I don't think Brady would have won six Super Bowls without Belichick. I don't think Belichick would. I mean, I think Brady would have had a better chance to win Super Bowls. Fine. Without Belichick. than Belichick would have had without Brady. But how many how many quarterbacks would have been successful? In Mac Jones' spot over the last couple of years, right? not with many, the, with the number of coordinators and coordinators that weren't actually coordinators, like the whole thing and around and around we go. I'm not defending Mac Jones, by the way. I'm simply saying that organization was just in a no-win situation. That's what I mean. The whole thing is a mess, but at the same time, Mac is—he's not good enough. It is what it is. Uh, Travis Ryer is going to kick off hour number two. That includes Jerry Palm. 
uh, Ross Jackson and Angelique Shangalis in hour number three. And, of course, you got to get qualified for the Alec Newman Catering Party. That's coming up as well. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Yep, here we are, hour number two at 7.05. Thanks for hanging with us on this Tuesday. It's the opening kickoff. We're in the studios at WNSP. Some headlines before we get to our next guest. The Bills really blew in yesterday. Denver beat them 24-22, four Buffalo turnovers. But at the end of the game, Will Lutz of Denver missed a 41-yard field. But not so fast, my friend. Uh, Buffalo had 12 players on the field, so Lutz got another chance, drilled it. And Denver leaves Buffalo with a victory. Uh, I want to congratulate uh, Joey Espada, named the uh, 20th manager of the Houston Astros. And Dan Lanning says, nope, I'm not interested in leaving Oregon. He was asked that question because of the opening now at Texas A&M. And to that, we now bring in uh, Travis Ryer, Tuesdays, 7 o'clock from uh, Bama Online on 3. Good morning, Travis. How are you today? Great. How are you guys? Good. We're certainly going to talk a lot of football, obviously, with Alabama with uh, a game this Saturday. But tell our listeners what the University of South Alabama basketball team is facing tonight when they come on to take the Crimson Tide. A team that's been very prolific offensively through two games, that's for sure. Um, 100-point performances in each of those two opening games, including last Friday night against Indiana State, a solid Indiana State mid-major team. So I know that uh, – Nate is anticipating a difference in styles uh, in this game from what maybe Alabama saw certainly against Indiana State. So uh, he wants to see improvement on the defensive end. So I would think the emphasis would be there for this team. But, you know, the transfer portal has been very good to Alabama so far this season. When you look at Grant Nelson, the 6'11 forward, also Aaron Estrada, uh, the guard that's played at a high level on the offensive end to this point as well. And then Mark Sears in the most recent outing against ISU, giving them 20-plus points. So when they get 20-plus from those three guys together, uh, they're typically going to be probably pretty tough to beat. I was going to—I don't know if you know the answer to this, but uh, I was reading the other day where Memphis basketball got a huge win and one of the reasons was Javon Quinterly. Do you know why he left Alabama with only, what, a year to go? Yeah, you know, I think uh, there were some, some things that Javon was taking into consideration. Uh, if he wasn't going to go the pro route, uh, perhaps NIL was a, a influencing factor in that uh, with Memphis. So he made the decision to move on. And, you know, Alabama was still going to actively look to upgrade in the backcourt. You know, they needed guards, so they went out and got Aaron Estrada. Uh, they went out and got Latrell Wrightsell Jr., um, from the West Coast, and uh, Javon's a great player, no doubt about it, and a nice pickup for a Penny Hardaway in, in Memphis. But, um, you know, it, 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 it's kind of where we're at in today's college sports. So a Alabama's averaging right now in the very few games like 103 points a game. Now, do you, can, do you think this is going to continue? And I'm not saying averaging 100 points a game, 
but these offensive outputs? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be difficult to sustain that. I mean, they're capable of scoring, you know, 80-plus on probably just about anybody they play. But, you know, the, the stakes are certainly going to go up here in the next week, uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, the games are going to get tougher. They're going to see Ohio State, possibly Oregon and Destin. Uh, they're going to go to Creighton a little bit later. Uh, they're going to play Purdue and Toronto. Uh, they're going to take on Arizona and Phoenix. So uh, it, it's not going to be as easy as it's been in these first two games. But just on the surface, in this small sample size we have right now, they look like scoring the basketball isn't going to be the primary issue for them. Football-wise, would you take away from Nick Saban's press conference yesterday? Yeah, just a team that continues to improve at the right time of year. And, you know, as you might expect with Tennessee Chattanooga up next, he's going to continue to harp on the need to get even better. This is a team that can't afford to rest on its laurels, not with what's coming up uh, in the two weeks that follow this matchup against an FCS opponent. So, you know, it's that time of year, and I'm I'm sure he's glad to have to sort of send that message to this team because for a while there we wondered – if this team would get to this point where it would be in this position and be making that market improvement as the bigger games are on the horizon. So uh, that's that's what this is this week. This is, of course, all about Alabama. It's a bye game. Um, you're trying to get yourself uh, ready and, and recovered and is fully healed uh, with a couple injuries that they're dealing with, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, before you run that Auburn-Georgia gauntlet in back-to-back weeks, is this a game where you think they'll rest the wounded, no need to play them? You figure Alabama's going to win and just name the score, the Lawsons, uh, the, 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 you know, the defensive back and people like that. And how, how far does Milrow go in a game like this? Yeah, I don't think this is a week where you rush back at Deontay Lawson or a Jalen Key. Now, if they're clearly ready to go, then that's one thing. But um, I don't think this is the week for that. Uh, they have depth uh, at inside linebacker, uh, Jihad Campbell, Tresman Marshall, Kendrick Blackshire. Um, and then you can also play some some other guys as well this week. Sean Murphy, uh, you get into uh, that type of depth at that position. And with Milrow, um, really didn't play the fourth quarter at Kentucky. So, you know, if that was the case in an SEC game that Alabama had well in hand, I would think that would be the case, you know, pretty much during the second half of Saturday's game. It's a respectable FCS opponent with a 7-3 and three record, but certainly the expectation is that you get Jalen his work in the first half, maybe a series into the third quarter, and then you're able to not only play Ty Simpson, uh, but, you know, maybe Tyler Buckner, uh, and perhaps you get into, you know, your twos and threes at some other areas too. Travis Ryer is our guest here on WNSP. Uh, I'm assuming you uh, you watch Alabama a lot. You could make an argument this team is playing as, as well as anybody in the country right now. Right now, I think you could just in every phase, right? I mean, when you talk about the steps the offense has taken, especially in the last three or four games, and more so the consistency they've achieved now, uh, not a team that has gotten off the slow starts in the last couple of games. And uh, defensively, the expectation is that, you know, if you don't get them early in games, they're going to settle in and it's going to get tougher uh, as the game progresses. And then even in special teams, uh, with the way they're able to kick the ball between Will Reichard and James Burnup and, 
you know, it was kind of a, a, a setback to see uh, Kool-Aid have an issue on a punt return attempt at Kentucky. But then even in that area, they came back and, and had an explosive play later in the game. And I think in their kickoff return game, they've got potential there too with Kendra Claw back deep. So, yeah, just all around, uh, it's a team that does a pretty good job taking care of the ball. Um, had a couple turnovers at Kentucky, uh, but then took it away a couple times too. Almost had a third one there on the goal line in the fourth quarter. But yeah, this is a team right now that's playing at a very high level. Any chance in your mind that the uh, committee tonight will move Alabama up from eight, maybe uh, to seventh or sixth, despite the fact that all seven teams uh, in front of them won less past weekend? You know, this committee, and I don't watch this show hardly on a week-to-week basis. I kind of, It's a Twitter follow for me as much as anything. But just based on the, the what we've seen, they, they like to stay true to form unless there's a loss involved. So, um, you know, looking at it from that perspective, even though you're seeing teams that at least look like they're starting to feel the thin air that comes with reaching the finish line or the top of the mountain, I guess you could say, uh, and Alabama looks like a team that is uh, picking up steam uh, instead of sort of fading here down the stretch. I- I'd be surprised if if there's much change in Alabama's position from a week ago. Yeah, and the what, what's unusual about this year is the number of teams that have that are still kind of in it at this point, right? We always start at this point where there's eight, nine, ten teams, right? But here we are, mid-November now. And there's still, what, eight or nine legitimate teams that have a, 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 a an argument for being in the top four. Yeah, we finally have a, an actual finish to a season that warrants an expansion from four to yeah. eight or 12. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's been so much. It's really just been about TV to this point to expand, as we all know, and the money that comes with that. But, yeah, just in, in this particular instance, uh, it, it does warrant the the possibility of expanding from four, and um, you know we'll see how it plays out. Again, this is a time of year, you, and some of those teams that are in front of Alabama don't have a lot of experience uh, w- when it starts getting this deep in the pool. So we'll see how they respond down the stretch. We already saw a couple last weekend that it could have easily have lost games, um, and there's games this weekend: Washington at Oregon State. You know, games like that that are going to be worth uh, keeping an eye on. All right, on the lighter side, uh, hypothetically speaking, if uh, Jimbo Fisher does not get a coaching job next year, could you possibly see Nick Saban bringing him on as an analyst like he's done with a lot of coaches over the years? Hey, why not? You know, it's not like Jimbo needs the money, right? So uh, perhaps I'll never say never where those analyst roles are concerned. Um you know, it's uh, it's uh, kind of been a who's who, as we know, uh, under Nick Saban in those spots. So uh, I don't have any intel that leads me to believe, oh, yeah, that's something that Jimbo's going to want to do or, um, you know, that, that the mute, the interest would be mutual in that regard. But I wouldn't I wouldn't totally discount it either. So and on top of that, maybe he'd be willing to, to donate to the fundraising arm of the uh, the university <laughs> if he came on as an analyst. And then essentially, we could make the argument that A and M is paying for Alabama NIL. Yeah, Mark. I guess you could say all those things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, always good to catch up, sir. Tell folks how they can continue to follow your coverage of the Tide. Just go to BamaOnline.com. You can also catch us on our YouTube home now. Bama Online is on YouTube. We're putting out video content, podcasts on a daily basis. 
So be sure to check us out there, but come hang out with us on the roundtable or premium message board right there at BamaOnline.com. Thanks, Travis. We always appreciate the time, sir. Thanks. Yep. Travis Ryer, Bama Online. Scoreboard traffic and weather are next. By the way, what was what was more ridiculous here in the last 24, 48 hours? The fact that Jim Harbaugh is up there talking about Judge Judy and Tom Cruise and a few good men. Or the fact that Sam Pittman had to come out and explain why there's a viral video of a halftime locker room and guys watching the Polar Express as they're getting their doors blown off. By the way, he gave some pretty good context on that. Not said the young man made a mistake. Well, what happened was they're separate locker rooms because there's not enough room in the main locker room, so all the red shirts are in a different locker room. And they somehow had Polar Express on. Guy videos it, sends it to a friend who sends it to a buddy who then shoots it out. Well, we're in, we're in the holiday season. Sure. Just crazy times, and I'll, I'm here for it. Stay with us. Hey, this is Jimmy Riffle from Gator Boys, and you're listening to WNSP on 105.5. Kickoff continues on WNSP, and it's time to highlight the cars of the week with David McCrary at LCM Motor Cars in Theodore. That's right. David McCrary of LCM Motor Cars, LCMMotorCars.com, joins us here on WNSP. If you're in the market for an automobile, it is quite the financial commitment. But, David, you guys have some options over there at LCM Motor Cars. We do. You know, everybody talks about, you know, no money down and this, that, and the other, and, and everybody thinks that that's just for people that have perfect credit. Well, I mean, we have the perfect credit customers that come out and do loan, no money down, but we also have low down payments for people that have had a repossession, someone that's currently in bankruptcy. I mean, as low as $500 down. So if you can prove your income and um, you want to come see us, we'll be more than happy to help you. I mean, we got you know, we can get people done and they've had repossessions and everything else as low as $500 down. And and you guys do everything right there on site, right? Uh, I think that's important because uh, when you come out to the lot there at LCM Motor Cars, not only is the inventory there, but you got a, a bunch of number of folks that can help them in a, in, in, in a whole bunch of different categories as well. Right. We do everything right there. And you can even circumvent that a little bit. I mean, if you want to do a credit app online before you come out and see us, we can get started on it before you even get there. So, just give us a call or come by and see us, and we'll help you out. All right. We'll tell everybody where you're located and what time you open today. We're at Highway 90 and Plantation in Theodore. It's one mile south of I-10, exit 15A. Uh, you can come see us um, there on site. You go to lcmmotorcars.com. For the credit app and everything, the links are there. Uh, you call us at 251-375-0068. We'll be there from 8 to 6. Yeah, and there's this strange substance falling from the sky, but you guys can handle that too, right? Yeah, we've got the car well, um, carport, so we can keep you dry if you come out. Hopefully, it'll it keep raining. We need it. <laughs> hey, man, we appreciate everything. Thanks. Have a good day. That's Dave McCrary of LCM Motor Cars, lcmmotorcars.com. Make sure you go to their website. All the inventory is up. Go to social media. Uh, they are constantly uploading the inventory right there. And if they don't have what you're looking for, down to the color, I might add. Uh, they can find it for you. So go check them out at LCM Motor Cars. Any of you watched the Manning cast yesterday uh, with Buffalo, Denver? Uh, I, 
kind of like Travis was saying earlier, I kind of Twitter watch, right? Every once in a while. I I'll go to it every once in a while, but usually the highlights are up there on Twitter. Patrick Mahomes was a guest. He really did not give much information on the Swift-Kelsey uh, uh, romance, but he was asked during oh, no. the uh, interview, uh, what's his big superstition? And he said, well, a few years ago, my wife bought me red underwear, and I wear it for every game. It's been kind of a good luck charm for me. Lee, were you devastated at the lack of information on the Kelsey Swift thing? Actually, I've heard so much of that, I've had <laughs> enough of it. I, I, I have no that. interest in it at all. It was brought up in my household yesterday. The question was raised. Uh, and, and like I said, I'm not downplaying her talents. I mean, gosh, what she's a billionaire. She's very successful. I said I couldn't believe that Travis traveled to Australia to watch her in a concert. Well, you got to be in a plane for like, what, about 16, 17 hours. I mean, that's real love as far as I'm concerned because uh, they have their off week. But we made kind of a side bet in my household last night. I was telling Mark this, uh, Michael, where a member of our family said that this is a great romance. And I'm saying it's going to wind up, in my opinion, it'll probably wind up like most of her boyfriends <laughs> breaking up. And she writes a song about it. The other party disagreed and bet me money. And, you know, I don't bet <laughs> that they would get married. So I said, I'll take that bet. What, how long does that bet extend? Like, I do you get no a year, do you get a year into the marriage or five years into all the marriage? All they have to do is all they have to do is get, get married. married. Do they, if they, they tie the knot, you lose, I even lose. if they get they, divorced they can, later on. They can be in Vegas having yes. a wild and crazy night, but if there's a certificate that says I do, if they I, say I do, that's it. I'm down. That's what's it. the what's the unit size? What's the amount? Well, on I that think bet? we'll let that go. It's probably it's more than I've ever bet ever. <laughs> and that you know what? Ten bucks. Yeah, it could be five dollars for that since I've never bet. Before, but I couldn't, I couldn't resist this one because I'm so tired of hearing. About I like this. it, Lee. I think you're gonna win. I do too. I like your chances. Over under is good. Uh, I don't think there is an over under on I don't this. Know. Uh, but I, I think, I think you, you've got a, I think you got it. I think you got it on lock. If the whole thing is a ploy, like I do believe it is, with my tinfoil hat on, I mean, it might end in, uh, in a marriage. Who knows? I don't well, know, Lee. The, the guy's obviously into it. If he flies all the way to Australia for I think a it was concert. Ar I think it was Argentina, but <laughs> Is it Argentina? Sa same, same difference. Who cares? All right, we come back. Derek Baum's going to join us. We'll find out if anything changes tonight with the college football playoff poll. It's the opening kickoff. Stay with us. It's got to be America's team. It's got to be America's team. America, America loves a team that that uh, you know beats the odds, beats the adversity, you know, overcomes what the naysayers and you know critics, so-called experts, think. Um, that's my favorite kind of team. And yeah, watching it from. Welcome back in the opening kickoff, Mark I'm and Lee Shervani, and of course Michael Bronner with you. Coming up here in just a little bit, uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to Ross Jackson at the top of the hour, talk a little NFL. And, of course, uh, Angelique Shungalis will join us from the Detroit News at 8.30 about Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, about Jim Harbaugh. But let's uh, get uh, Jerry Palm's take on what's going on with the Big Ten, Harbaugh, and the SEC. He's with CBS Sports. He is clued into the College Football Playoff Committee. Jerry, welcome to our show this morning. Good morning. 
Good morning. How's it going? Good. Any changes expected tonight in the top eight? Yeah, I well, I think Georgia's going to jump Ohio State um, now that they've got two highly ranked wins. Um, and I think Ohio State was hurt by Notre Dame losing to Clemson, dropping them down a little bit. So I, it's going to be close. They may not do it this week, but uh, I'm leaning toward Georgia jumping up to number one. It's inevitable, I think. You know, the Georgia's going to finish number one if they win all the way out. You know, speaking. But uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I you had a, you gave me a thought because I heard this that with Alabama doing better and really to to some probably in this state, you know, playing as well as anybody. But doesn't Alabama playing well make Texas look better with their win? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a ceiling, at least in the eyes of the committee at this point, is Texas. Um, and, in fact, a big reason why I have Texas ahead of Oklahoma at the end, even if they're both 12-1 and conference champions, is the win at Alabama's going to be the best win that either of them has. Um, so, yeah, it's a uh, – uh, it's a huge win for Texas. It's standing the test of time, and the better Alabama plays, the the better Texas looks. But Texas has to stay on that one loss. Uh, Twelve and one, uh, Texas has got a good chance at making the college football playoff. It's, I mean, they need help because you know they they can't do anything about the undefeated teams. But if they get a little bit of help, they they can get in. So tell me where I'm wrong about this. My thinking is I'm trying to simplify things. If Alabama runs the table, beats Georgia. All we need for Alabama to get into the Final Four is for Texas to lose a game. Yes or no? Oh, gosh, I don't know if they beat Georgia. They could jump Texas anyway. Um, head-to-head is not everything. So uh, I don't know if they need Texas to lose. Uh, but obviously, a 12-1 and SEC champion Alabama is a strong playoff candidate. Um, if you've got three other undefeated teams, you know, let's just say Washington and Florida State and, the, and whoever wins the Big Ten and they're competing with Texas, you know, the committee's going to have to make a call. It's, um, and I don't think it's definite either way, but that win at Alabama is huge. Jerry Palms, our guest here on WNSP. Can you remember, has there been uh, – in the history of a four-team playoff, which obviously hasn't been that long, where we've had so many teams uh, still kind of in it this late in the season? Um, no. And, in fact, it's been unusual stability at the top of the rankings. It's, you know, they just started Halloween, uh, but the top eight are still the top eight. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they, they didn't even change the order the first week. Uh, they may change the order this week a little bit, but it'll still be the same eight teams, you know, at the top of the rankings. Uh, none of them, you know, through the first couple weeks here have not lost yet. And so that's um, obviously Michigan and Ohio State are going to play each other at some point. Uh, Oregon and uh, Washington are on a collision course. Georgia-Alabama is going to be the SEC title game. So we're going to get a little, you know, sorting out eventually. But it hasn't, you know, nothing has happened yet to, to cause the committee to really, you know, shake things up among those top eight teams. Do you think there's any chance Jim Harbaugh gets back on the playing field uh, prior to Ohio, uh, prior to the end of the regular season? Yeah, because they're going to go to a judge that went to Michigan. In Michigan, you know, and it's not hard to find a judge that went to Michigan, in, you know, in the state of Michigan. And I don't even know if they would have to. But 
um, I think it's I think they're going to get at least a restraining order and an arguments and by the you know by the time they get it all settled the, the season will be over. Wait, what do you think about all this though? Uh, with the Big Ten making that decision and. Do you think it should have gone further than this? Should they penalize Michigan I don't think further? they had the authority to go further than that. Not in any way that would have – they're, they're kind of walking a fine line. They don't want to prevent the players from being able to do what they've – and continuing to do what they've been doing this season. They don't want to punish the players for the actions of the coaches. So – Keeping them out of the Big Ten title game isn't really an option. Making them forfeit games or, you know, just just none of that kind of thing is going to be an option because it's punishing the players. So other than suspending coaches or, you know, levying fines, the, the their hands are pretty well tied. Um, so I, this is about as far as they could realistically go. Uh, Mark brought up a good point yesterday. Just how important is it for Harbaugh to be on the field? Isn't it more important for the coordinators? And if you really wanted to hit Michigan and Harbaugh, elim- uh, suspend them from practice all week. Yeah, that's the part. I guess that's the part that I, if you, if you were going to do more, you'd keep them off the, away from the team entirely and not just on game day. Um, so that they could have done. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it hurts them that much. Um, you've got guys, uh, and I don't know the the coach that called the game um, for Penn State was the offensive coordinator, and I don't know if he's got head coaching experience or not. But you know, Harbaugh is a bit of a gambler, um, in, and we've seen it in in better contested games than they've had so far this year. You know, he, he'll take chances on fourth down. Um, he's, he's not so much a gambler necessarily going for two unnecessarily, but, you know, he'll he'll go for fourth downs uh, in situations that some coaches might not. And I don't know if the person filling in for him is going to be quite as aggressive. That, to me, is where you might find a difference, not having Harbaugh on the sideline. Tell you what, Jerry, whether you agree or disagree with what Jim Harbaugh says or what he does or what Michigan's involved in, the man's eccentric, to say the least. That that press conference yesterday was just <laughs> wild. He's he is uh, eccentric is a good word for it. Jim marches to the beat <laughs> of his own drum, and uh, and I'm not sure it's even a drum. Yeah. So would it be better if he just doesn't? I know he's going to show up at the hearing, just shut up and not say anything. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, he'll show up at the hearing. Yeah, but I mean, um, he, he may be asked to speak. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, he's. it's funny because the, the way the Big Ten worded this is they said that this was not punishment for Harbaugh specifically. They're punishing the university's football team, and he is the head of that group. So, but, so they're – it's a suspension, you know, that's being levied at the university, but but being served by the person who represents the football team, and that's the head coach. So they aren't they aren't they aren't punishing Harbaugh for something he may have specifically done, is what I'm trying to say. They're 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 punishing the university, and he's in the role of the leader of that group. But they aren't saying that Harbaugh had anything to do with the sign stealing. This is not a punishment of Jim Harbaugh specifically. It's a punishment of the football team, and he's the head guy. Hey, wouldn't it be cool, Jerry, if during the hearing that whoever's on the other side, they bring in Connor Stallions 
as a witness. <laughs> would that be great? TV? Would that be great? TV? You'd probably have to, you know, find him in some foreign country at this point. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but I don't think Connor Stallions is going to show up. All right. Unless he bought a ticket, then he might be there. Who's the next coach to get the axe? I mean, what happened? This looked like, to me, on Monday, looked like the NFL on Black Monday. Uh, what, three coaches bit the dust? Who's next? Well, one, yeah, three got fired. Well, that wasn't Fisher the day before the other two. Yeah, um, pretty I don't much. Know, it all kind of runs together. And then Brady Hoke uh, retired um, from San Diego State, and the Arizona State Athletic Director resigned. Uh, I don't know who's next. Uh, gee, who's on the hot seat, really? Ooh. I mean, I, Indiana. Uh, Indiana. Hugh Freeze is in his first year at Auburn, so he he should be good. Um, Arkansas. And, you know, he's got a lot of new coaches in places already, so you know, new coaches are going to get a leash. Um, some kind of a leash. Well, the list probably. that I saw is Indiana, Syracuse. Yeah, uh, Indiana, Arkansas, yeah, Syracuse. No, oh, Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, those are all good choices. Indiana's buyout might be too much for a basketball school to handle, so they may be stuck with Tom Allen another year. But Syracuse, Arkansas, yeah, those are definitely options, especially Arkansas, because uh, I know they think they should be better than they are. Uh, and they actually, you know, and Pittman got off to a decent start there, but and I don't know what the buyouts are. I don't think Syracuse's buyout is a problem, but um, the, I don't know what Arkansas – buyout situation is and whether or not they can afford it but um but and i know that that is a problem for indiana and tom allen jerry never short any idea uh stories man as always we appreciate the time and we'll do it again <laughs> next week i think we just uh lost jerry but it was perfect timing so uh we appreciate him coming aboard speaking of coming aboard a shout out to wnsp's team of the day today safety shoes plus uh, we've been uh, we've been good friends with Safety Shoes Plus for a long time, and it's great to have them back on the station with us. They offer the largest variety of safety boots and clothing in the area. They've got roughly like 30 brands, man. Wolverine, Timberland, Keen, you name it. They have over 400 styles to choose from. And at Safety Shoes Plus, it's more than just shoes. Got a lot of clothing brands as well. Carhartt, Raska, Columbia, just to name a few. Available in their store right there in Saraland. They got many types, different types of specialty clothing, including high visibility and fire resistant stuff. You need to go check them out. Uh, boots, cold weather clothing, work clothes, frame retar uh, flame retardant clothing, high vis stuff. It's all right there at Safety Shoes Plus. Go see Morgan and the fine folks over there, 23 Saraland Boulevard. They open at 8, so they're going to be open in about 15 minutes. Women's clothing, men's clothing, tons of products. Go check them out at safetyshoesplus.com. It's Safety Shoes Plus, man. It is WNSP's team of the day. Lee and I talk about having gear from there. I've had it since for over 10 years. It's still good. Uh, they've been serving the area since 1992. They're going to be around forever. Go check out Morgan and the fine folks over there. WNSP's team of the day, Safety Shoes Plus. When we come back, uh, we'll catch up with Michael Holland, Ross Jackson on the Saints in the NFL at 8 o'clock. We'll go up to Detroit for the latest on Jim Harbaugh. And, oh, yeah, we got to get you qualified for the Alec Naaman catering party uh, in another round of naming it. So we're going to wrap up hour number two next. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. 
Still want to get to this whole Polar Express Sam Pittman thing. Because this is just nuts. I don't know what's worse. The fact that a kid was watching Polar Express at halftime. Or the fact that Sam Pittman doesn't even know what the Polar Express is. I got questions. Let's figure this out. Stay with us. Hi, this is Monty Burke, author of Saban, The Making of a Coach. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. Thanks for hanging with us on a wet and cold Tuesday. All right, Faith Academy's Ty Goodwill was named the Bryant Bank Player of the Week last Friday. We talked to Jack French yesterday. Today we talked to the market president with Bryant Bank, Mr. Michael Holland. Michael, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Hey, good morning, Lee. Good morning, Mark. Well, of course, we always enjoy hearing your advice, your tips. So what do you got for us today? You know, Lee, Saturday we celebrated our Veterans for Veterans Day. So this morning I thought I would uh, recognize some of our military leaders who have been featured on some of our currency, who've had their likeness placed on currency. So let's start with uh, General George Washington, our first president. He's featured on the quarter and the dollar bill. General Andrew Jackson fought in the War of 1812. He was president in 1828. He's on the $20 bill. Abraham Lincoln was our commander-in-chief during the Civil War, and he's featured on the penny and the $5 bill. And General General U.S. Grant fought in the Civil War. He was our 18th president. He's on the 50. And then uh, FDR, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, served during World War II, and he's on the dime. Um, so take a – again, this was uh, – Saturday was Veterans Day, but take time to thank a veteran for the freedoms we enjoy and if you're an employer and you're looking to expand your employee base, interview and hire a veteran. So, Lee, I know it's uh, not necessarily banking-related, but I've tied it into Veterans Day, and I hope all your listeners will appreciate that. Always appreciate what Bryant Bank does with us, obviously with the naming of the uh, Players of the Week. And, of course, uh, you being out there on many occasions during the uh, uh, high school games that we carry. Really appreciate what you do, Michael. Thank you so much. Glad to do it. You guys have a great day. You better believe it. I'm all for those uh, Grant $50. Yeah? Yeah, $50 Grant's picture. It's good enough for me. Oh, well, the other ones aren't? Who's on the is there, who did he say the hundred? Who's on the hundred? I'll go for that too. I don't know. I haven't seen a hundred of them. In, I know. In a that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, the Grant the, the Grant 50 just sticks out. Okay. How is it that, I, by the way, I saw a report that the $2 bill, because they're so unusual, are going for a couple grand a piece. How can something that's supposed to be worth two, two bucks be worth a thousand bucks? Eye of the it's, it's literally built to be $2. And why don't we do more of them? Why are they so, like, why? I, I don't understand. They're made of a rare paper, they're, they're harder to. Uh to print. So why do we print them at all? I don't know. I just made that up. Oh. I figured so. I don't think Michael has a direct access to <laughs> Fort Knox. 
Or the Treasury Department? I, I don't think Fort Knox is where the money is printed, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think they hold some there, right? Where, where does the money get printed? The Treasury. And, I mean, you hear these reports. I got that one well, right. Let's see. This country is fighting a war. The U.S. is going to give over a billion dollars or two. Where does money come from? They just print it up? They just, pr- they just print, print it. it up. No, NIL. NIL. NIL is where it comes from. It's all so subjectively. Don't you know? They can just print it. D- does it surprise you that uh, Sam Pittman, this whole, like, Guys are watching Frozen. What were they watching? Polar, Polar Express. Express. They were watching Polar Express in the locker room at halftime. I think they were watching it during the game. No, they were out on the field. I it didn't appear that way mentally. Oh, right. I think it was during halftime. It was. So what happened was there were apparent. They 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 let some red shirts dress, but they can't all fit in the same locker room. So they put them in, I guess, an auxiliary locker room. And somehow, some way, the Polar Express was on, and dude was actually watching it. Somebody else recorded it, sent it to a buddy who sent it to a brother or something, and then it got out on the internet. But even if you're just a red shirt, you're not playing. Aren't you? I don't know. Changing the channel if it's Polar Express. And Pittman was like, I didn't even know there was a TV in that locker room. So okay. Um, you don't you don't believe that? I don't <sighs> he said, I'll I be honest know. with you. So he clearly he wasn't lying. He's probably, <laughs> <laughs> He's probably walked by it. I don't know. It's the end of days for Sam Pittman. It's a bummer. And, and really, what the poor guy, after seeing his team get beat Bludgeoned. like that, I mean, you know, I'm sure that's the last thing on his yeah. mind. And then he gets hit with a question like that. Like, come on now. His team was just utterly pathetic. Maybe the worst performance since he's been there. And obviously getting, you know, hit in the eye with a, a question or something like that, I could see where he'd be like, "What? I, I'm I'm sitting here on a, uh, a team that's just uh, imploding, and I got to worry about the Polar Express." Hey, speaking of locker, he didn't rooms, even know what the Polar Express was. So that's okay. Nobody nobody says you have to know about that stuff. Do you know what the Polar Express is? I don't know much about it. I know it's a TV. It was on television or the movie. I know it was in the movies, but I don't know. I couldn't tell you what it's about. Hmm. What? Uh, look at the look he's giving me. Like, uh, why I would I want? Why would I care? Because I didn't. I didn't see it. You you don't care about Taylor Swift and uh, Travis Kelsey yet. You gave us a five minute dissertation on wh- how, how you're betting. Were you timing? It? Were you timing me when I yes. said that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Well, you want you want your five minutes on the Polar Express? Go ahead. No, I'm not saying I'm what looking did, for equal time. I'm just saying a guy it? that's a guy that seems to have his finger on the uh, on pop culture. Uh, oh, I'm just I'd surprised. Be the last one here to be on pop culture. No, you're talking about tra- Taylor Swift. You're always talking about these things you're watching on uh, Netflix or you know whatever streaming service. So I just a lot assumed. of free time. Got a lot of free time. Right. So just a little. Poor Sam Pittman, man. Polar Express wasn't it animated. It was. It well, still is. Okay. Well, there, there's your answer. I don't watch animated shows. That's not a show. <coughs> what did I? It's like a famous Christmas movie. I don't know. Sam Pittman El- just wanted to have him a hey, cold beer. It's not in the realm of Elf. I don't want to hear it. But I like some old cold beer. Yeah. That's my guy, man. You like Sam Pittman? I do. You think he should be the new offensive coordinator or the new head coach of New England? I'll take him as an offensive line coach. Oh, you don't like him that much. Well, <laughs> he has roots as an offensive line coach. I don't know 
I don't know what it, what kind of that, play caller he is. Isn't that another thing about the Patriots? They had a really, really good, I don't know how to say his name, offensive line coach. Dante Scarnecchia? Yeah, but he's not there anymore. That's right? fun to say. Yeah, he's, uh, well, he, he had to retire a couple years ago. You so know, that's I been a factor, too. Got another locker room story, but it's a little more serious than Polar Express. Uh -oh. Do you remember back when, when Deion Sanders complained about the uh, Rose Bowl when his team was there against UCLA and jewelry and money was stolen? Yes. Well, they finally f have reported what happened. Um, the story goes that UCLA had brought in some prospective recruits from a local high school. They're the ones being targeted as going into the Colorado locker room and stealing the jewelry and money. Now, no charges have been filed. They've handed it over to the juvenile uh, aspect of the uh, uh, attorney general, but that's apparently where this all happened with uh, prospective recruits. My question would be, why were they even allowed in the Colorado locker room? Hmm. Doesn't sound like their recruitment's going to go much better. No, it forward. doesn't. I, I would say it would seem that these guys are off the the market as far as UCLA is concerned. By the way, Stephen A. Smith thinks that Dion should should get the Texas A&M job. Oh you see that? God, it's man. not going to happen. No, it's not. And he he said it it isn't, but he said it should because well, if he had some hogs like that, he could win. If they had a guy, if he could if he could get the athletes like that, he could win. And bro, I think <sighs> everybody could win sure. except Jimbo. Well, the the key here is, and I was asked this question yesterday. If you want Dion, you basically have to hand the king keys to the kingdom. You can't, you can't have, uh, let's say, uh, answer to this, answer to that. He it wants to come into a program where he's got total say. Doesn't have to be called down to the carpet by the AD. This, this, and this. You basically have to hand him the whole program. Otherwise, you're not going to get him. I think that applies to most coaches, but um, not not to the degree. Now I know, like when. You know, a few, a few, but not most. Most coaches are happy to get a job. But in the case of Dion, who's like NFL, all this and that, all that stuff around him, kind of a diva, if you will. But I'm telling you, you really have to just, hey, here's the program. Go run with it. Like I said earlier, I think they should hire Urban. But in terms of someone who should want the job, I mean, it should be Lane Kiffin. I don't know if A&M wants him, but, you know, talk about a guy who's probably maxed out what he can do at Ole Miss just got destroyed at Georgia largely due to the fact I mean he said it after the game they just don't recruit at the same level he's never gonna have those kinds of horses why at Ole he, Miss why would he be a better candidate than Mike Elko I'm not necessarily arguing that I'm just saying if if I'm, I'm Lane I'm Kiffin I Elko, would, I'm not saying which is better I'm just saying Elko's been there done that sure well yeah I, I am. I'm not necessarily arguing for Kiffin over Elko, just in the sense that Michael, Kiffin should want the job. Michael, how about this? Hypothetically, Elko takes the job and brings Ron, uh, Leonard, Riley Leonard, with him. Now that'd, no, that'd be something. I'd Speak, like that. Speaking of something, we got something for you in hour number three. Ross Jackson's going to kick things off. We're going to get you another round of naming it. And then we're going to go up to Detroit and find out exactly what's going on in the head of Jim Harbaugh. That dude's a looney tune. Stay with us. Hour number three is next.
This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Here we are, hour number three. Thanks for hanging with us on a Tuesday edition. Mark, Lee, and Bronner. We're all in the studios of WNSP. So the Buffalo Bills last night committed four turnovers. Really didn't hurt them all that much because Denver only scored six points. But what hurt them was they can't <laughs> count. They had 12 players on the field when Will Lutz tried a field goal from 41 yards out. The Denver kicker missed, but the Bills were penalized. Lutz got a second opportunity, drilled it through. Denver leaves Buffalo with a 24-22 uh, win. And that ushers in our good friend Ross Jackson from uh, Saints Podcast. Covers the Saints, but he also covers the NFL. Ross, good morning. How are you today? Hey, buddy. Good morning. Glad to be here with you all. So at 5-5, five and five, are the Bills pretty much out of it to make the playoffs? Yeah, you got to start asking the question right now. What's going on in Buffalo and what's wrong with the Bills? And I think a big part of it is even though Denver didn't really capitalize on it, is the turnovers, 18 turnovers so far this season. That's second in the NFL or tied for second in the NFL. They're in some bad company when it comes to that. Teams like the Chicago Bears and Las Vegas Raiders, for instance. And so I think you have to look at these uh, these Buffalo this Buffalo Bills team, which look with an AFC South that's got three teams that have at least, excuse me, an AFC North that's got three teams with at least six wins. And, uh, you know, the Miami Dolphins pacing the AFC East. you got to start to wonder if maybe the Bills are going to miss out on the dance this year. And certainly you don't want to see that uh, that happen And you know, if you're the Buffalo Bills. And, and if so, you have to wonder if there's some big changes, some maybe surprising changes there uh, on the way. All right, let me ask you about the Dolphins because the, the, the question now, are they pretenders or contenders? They beat the teams they're supposed to beat, but they don't beat teams that have a winning record. Yeah, and the good news for them is that, you know, they face a lot of teams that they're supposed to beat <laughs> throughout the year. So that's why that's why they are where they are. Um, you know, ultimately that, that type of play could potentially lead you to uh, a playoff appearance. But the biggest question would be, you know, can you – uh, would you be able to uh, stay alive in the playoffs for more than a round, right? So that's going to be kind of the big test for uh, Miami. I think that Miami has what they need to be able to be more efficient and, and forced to be better in some of those game situations where you want to see them, you know, prove something and beat those teams with a winning record. But maybe the, the you know, the coaching isn't necessarily there yet, but I think it can for sure get there. All right, so take me back to last night. How on God's green earth, do you get caught with 12 guys on the field on a play where you know they're going to kick a field goal, right? You know somebody's out there being like, man, I'm going to get out here just for fun. Like, how does that happen? Yeah, that's got to be on that, – that's on a couple different things, right? It's on the, the position coaches, of course, making sure that they don't have the, the right personnel out there. It's on the, 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 you know, the guy that lines up furthest from the line of scrimmage on that defensive side. He's got yeah. to count. Maybe he counted at 11, but didn't count himself. That yeah. happens sometimes, <laughs> you know. And then you know, you get that check, and then all of a sudden you go, "Oh wait, I forgot me." You know, right. um, it could be any number of things. And 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 the other thing that I'm not sure is, is sure of is if there was a, a late substitution or something like that. I'll have to go back and watch and see if maybe that might have factored in. But more than likely, it's just look, it's just a lapse in judgment. Like these things happen uh, sometimes. Same way as you know, people line up off sides, they line up you know over the center when they're not supposed to on a field goal unit. Like there's so many of those checks, so many of those balances that have to happen on those special teams units that it can get it can get a little tough. And, and unfortunately for uh, 
for Buffalo that ended up biting them at absolutely the wrong time. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen was all of us last night, right, on the pass interference. Like, it was a legit mm-hmm. call, right? But, but I mean, the, the expression on his face was priceless. And then you get exactly what you need, which is a missed field goal, and then the penalty, and, like, dude, I've been there. I have totally been where yeah. Josh Allen is. It was it was hard to watch him, man. It really was. Yeah, it was very tough. And and look, Josh has to carry some of that sure. some of that burden too, right? I mean, he's been turning the ball over a lot here recently, and we certainly saw it in this game. Um, and so, you know, that's that's got to be one of those moments where you, you feel like you got so close at the end of the game, but then you kind of have to now go back and go, oh, what if I would have done this right? What if I would have done this differently? What if I would have done that differently? And that's such a, a quarterback and coach thing. Like, losses like that are tough. They're, they're really hard to shake sometimes, too. Talking with uh, Ross Jackson, Saints podcast, speaking about the Saints, a bye week, does it come at a really good time in lieu of the injuries they incurred against the Vikings and – Give us an update on Carr and Thomas and Lattimore and whoever else. Yeah, I think it definitely comes at the right time for them with this, uh, with the, the the litany of injuries that they suffered against the uh, Minnesota Vikings. I also think that it's a good moment for a hard reset after a really tough loss. I mean, the Saints got outplayed uh, on the football field at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday. And when you have a game like that and you lose a game like that, like just like we were talking about with Buffalo, it could be hard to shake. So I think that even from a mental standpoint, beyond just a physical standpoint, that bye week comes at the right time. Uh, according to Dennis Allen, when we spoke to him yesterday, um, you know, Derek Carr was cited as having a concussion but also a right shoulder injury during the game. Seems like the right shoulder was checked out and checked out fine. Uh, no big deal there, but the concussion means that he's in concussion protocol. The good news for him is that he doesn't have just one week to clear concussion protocol, which only one quarterback has done so far this year, Brock Purdy. And that was a little bit of a questionable decision, as we all saw when he went out there and played all in weekend. And so getting uh, the bye week there and getting two weeks to come back is certainly helpful, especially depending upon the grade of the concussion. So that works out well for them there. When it comes to uh, Michael Thomas and Marshawn Lattimore, both of them, quote, fairly significant, but not season-ending injuries, uh, according to Dennis Allen. And so maybe getting the extra week is going to end up helping them out because, you know, maybe they would have been in a situation where they had to miss one game or maybe play one game by year or two games, and all of a sudden that turns into a single game or a lone matchup, potentially. Um, and when you're going up against the quarterbacks that you go up against for the rest of the season, when you're going up against the defenses that you're going up against for the rest of the season, giving guys like Marshawn Lattimore and Michael Thomas a little bit of extra time probably shouldn't be ruled out. He's Ross Jackson. Uh, you can follow him on X at Ross Jackson Nola, host of Locked On Saints, uh, Locked On Network. So, Jameis Winston, I-, I feel like we saw the complete Jameis Winston experience over the weekend, right? Like, he comes out and he's throwing dimes, right? Just darts. Like, he's not missing. And then all of a sudden, he wasn't hitting. <laughs> like, he's just throwing that ball up into triple coverage. I just feel like we got the full Jameis Winston experience on Sunday. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, everything that makes Jameis so exciting sometimes also makes it a big risk when he when he takes the field, and it's that sort of you know if I can borrow from Bruce Arians, it's a, a no risk it, no biscuit. You know, type yeah. of quarterback is, is who he is. Uh, we saw him come in and give guys like Chris Olave, At Perry, Rashid Shaheed opportunities to go up and make plays. Uh, he's got a lot of chemistry with those guys. He spent a lot of time uh, with Chris Olave over the course of the past couple of years. Believe it or not, spent a lot of time with Rashid Shahid over the past couple of years as well when it comes to training camps, especially last year, when they were both rehabbing together during the offseason. So they got a lot of time together then as well. And then now, um, you know, A.T. Perry, who ended up the rookie wide receiver, caught his first uh, career touchdown in this game. They spend extra time working together all the time here in New Orleans throughout the season. And they, you know, they, they throw and catch with one another a ton. Uh, in practices and things like that, just based on being, you know, second second team guys or or however it is you want to look at it. So, 
Um, I, I think that that was a big part of what led to both the success and eventually the, the, the failure for the New Orleans Saints over on the offensive side is he trusts them a ton, gave them opportunities to go up there and make plays in good decisions or good good opportunities they, or good situations. They went up there and they made those plays in those less than opportune situations under pressure uh, with a, you know losing the plant foot on his front foot, all these other things uh, on, on those two interceptions uh, didn't work out as well. So. Um, you know, the ups and downs are, are what you usually see in that experience and, and probably one of the reasons why the, the Saints, you know, immediately said, like, Derek Carr is the starting quarterback. I think you'd rather the base level of play that you get with a Derek Carr if you're an NFL team than the, the sort of pitfalls that you can fall into with the Jameis Winston. Saints are the only team in the NFC South at 500. The rest are below that. Do you think at the end of the year the winner of that conference has a record above 500 or below I think I think they'll have one above 500, but I'm talking nine and eight. You know, I don't think you have to be a double-digit win team to win this division any longer. Uh, and I think that some of that just comes with the necessity of them cannibalizing each other towards the end of the season, right? Like there's so many of those NFC South matchups in the final seven weeks of the year uh, that I think ends up having that kind of impact. So I do think that somebody will get pushed over to over 500 um, as opposed to falling under. Uh, but mostly out of like the law of numbers and averages, <laughs> definitely not based upon any particular team's performance to close it out. How surprising are the Houston Texans, and are they the fastest ascending team now in the NFL? Um, I, I think so. I, I'm really, really excited about what's happening for the Texans. I think the Minnesota Vikings are probably in that conversation too, in terms of fastest ascending team, five straight wins here. And despite everything that they're going through, Kevin O'Connell right now is in his bag. Like he's putting on a big time coaching clinic, but I love what's going on with the Houston Texans right now. They have a rookie quarterback. That's just been outstanding leading the NFL in yards, passing yards per game uh, coming in at just under, I believe it's just under like 70 something yards behind Sam Howell for, for, uh, uh, most passing yards uh, for the season in total, 2,626. And he's got like two interceptions on the year. He, he's been absolutely outstanding. And one of those interceptions, remember, was against the Saints, which was an interception that turned into a fumble and turned into a game, into you know, like a two-yard game, <laughs> basically, and a fresh set of downs for, for Houston. So it, it's been big for them. And, and look, you've got a, a, a rookie quarterback right now who's in the MVP conversation and, and deserves to be there. We haven't seen a, a rookie MVP since – uh, Jim Brown in the 50s. We haven't seen a non-playoff team have an MVP since 73, and both of those things could change with the Houston Texans, but I, I wouldn't rule them out as a potential playoff team either uh, as things close out here over the season. I was asked a question this week, which I really can't answer because of injuries in the NFL. I was asked who might appear in the Super Bowl. I said it's a tough question because you don't know who's going to be around when you get to the postseason, but I'll ask that question to you right now, today. Of the teams, you know, that are in the hunt, which two teams would you say would most likely reach the Super Bowl, all things considered, no major injuries to the quarterback? Yeah, I think I would go with, with probably the Eagles over on the NFC side. I know they're dealing with stuff, too, but, I mean, they're far and away the best team in, in the conference, and there's not really anybody close. Um, so I'd probably put the Eagles up there. And then, look, you you, you got to bet on Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, right? So it could be just right back to seeing the Eagles and the Chiefs. Um, uh, you know, we'll see if if the Miami Dolphins can can really put something together and start to show that they could win games against some winning teams. I think that they could get in that conversation. And had the Baltimore Ravens not blown a huge lead to the uh, 
Cleveland Browns, I'd probably be naming them right now. So maybe a little bit of recency bias is keeping them out of that conversation because they look like they were the best team in the AFC until that loss to Cleveland. Uh, so maybe they could get in that conversation. It's a, it's a much tougher conversation in the AFC, but still very close. In, in the NFC, I, I think that, that that conference still belongs to, to Philadelphia. Ross, as always, man, we enjoyed it. Tell folks how they can continue to read your stuff, not only about the Saints, but the NFL as we uh, prepare for the Saints' ass-kicking of the Falcons in two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. You can find the uh, Locked on Saints and Locked on NFL podcasts both on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked on Saints and search Locked on NFL. Uh, and you can find all the written work where I cover the Saints over at Saints News Network, that's Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the team. You can find that by heading to saints.media on your browser. You can find it all in one place on Twitter at Ross Jackson or your favorite social media. Sorry, I, I can't. I, I haven't gotten used to saying X yet. Yeah. Let's just say on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, NOLA, N-O-L-A. Fair enough. Hey, great stuff, Ross. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Appreciate y'all. Take care. Stay safe. Yep. All right. Scoreboard traffic and weather. Are we doing a scoreboard? Yeah. Yeah. The uh, I didn't even have a chance Y'all to Y'all just need him. to fight it out. Yeah. I uh, didn't even have a chance. You see what fight, the Saints fight, find? Fight. They signed uh, Jean-Pierre Paul. Paul. Yeah. You remember him? He was the one who had the fingers blown off by firecrackers way back. Yeah. Jason. Well, it's close. When we come back, you will have a shot at qualifying for the Alec Naiman Catering Party with another round of Naming It right here on the sports station, WNSP, WNSP.com. Don't go anywhere. Hi, my name is Sherman Williams, former running back for the University of Alabama and the Dallas Cowboys. And I wake up each morning listening to WNSP 105.5. of naming it that's right you guys have a chance to get qualified for the final alec naming catering party that we're going to give away here on wnsp all you're going to do is here at audio file identify the person place or thing in the file be the first person to get brawn on the phone we're going to do this on the air since we're here in the studios so uh dj play that stuff shoot the glass all right if you know what that is, Lee's smiling. You know what that is, Lee? Of course not. <laughs> I, I will take a guess, but I'm not going to do it on the air. Because, yeah, don't do it on the I air. I might be, actually be right for once. All right. Okay. So if you know that, I thought that one was pretty easy, but, you know, that's just me. Uh, 694-1055 is the number. When we get a couple of them racked, we will go to the phones and see. I feel like y'all are going to get this on the first try, though. I've been wrong before, and generally you guys will tell me when I am. But All right, here we go. Go ahead, caller. Uh, identify said clip, sir or ma'am. What's going on, Mark? You got Elvis here, man. Hey, man, that was from that classic Christmas movie, Die Hard. That's Hans Gruber, man. Shoot the glass. Look, as soon as I knew it was you, Elvis, I knew it was in the bag. You had it. And you are correct. Yeah. That was the one and only Hans Gruber. And it's not Christmas time until you see someone throw Hans Gruber off the Nakatomi Plaza. So stay on the line, although I'm sure... Michael's got your information already, Elvis, but you are the latest to qualify. Well done. 
This is our final go round to our listeners. Was that it, by the way? Did you know that? No. Okay, you were going to guess. I thought maybe because of you brought up Polar Express, maybe it was from that. No. Okay. So, <laughs> l- listen. On we, Polar Express, they're telling people to shoot the glass? Yeah. I don't, know, a, I don't know what it's about. What a six sadistic an animated movie is that? All right. So, uh, will a name a winner? The, the, only, the last time we're going to name a, a Naaman's tailgating winner is going to be the uh, Friday, Black Friday after Thanksgiving. So keep registering. What we ought to do, Mark, I guess sooner or later is register two in one day to make up since we're not here on Thanksgiving, uh, either sometime this week or maybe next week. Of course, you're not going to be here next week until Friday. So we should get a – I want to get up to nine if we can. Okay. Duly noted. We can throw us in there. You know, I've I got to be honest. To this point – or before Bronner came aboard on our show, I thought you were the 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 leader in the clubhouse when it came to angling for free stuff. Not anymore, buddy. No, you, no, 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 no. Who surplanted Bronner? That's is, not true. That is a hundred percent accurate. No. Yes, you are always angling for free stuff. Confirm it for me. What's he been doing lately? Well, he's always jumping in on the once the Chick Fil A. Oh yeah. Now he wants to get in on the on the Alec Naaman catering party. Okay. I mean, it's just it's nonstop. I mean, he's very opportunistic. That's the nice way of putting it. You are opportunistic, Bronner. Yeah. Well. I mean, if there were a dozen donuts out there, Bronner wouldn't be in his seat right now. If someone just rolled in here, he's the guy. He's the guy at the office that's always out of his you, out of his chair first, looking for the. Wait, wait. There's there, there's donuts. Do you think he would eat them if a cat walked on him or something like that? Yes. He, there would be a five second rule. Absolutely. I like cats. That's kind of a random thought, by the way. <laughs> a cat. Only because I've seen it happen. Okay, maybe not so random. Did someone eat it? I saw a cat walk over donuts at a hotel one time. I don't know if anybody ate. We got to get back to that. Yeah, and Matt ate it. Um. It's got to be America's team. It's got to be America's team. America, America loves a team that that uh, you know beats the odds, beats the adversity, you know, overcomes with the naysayers and you know critics, so-called experts think. Um, that's my favorite kind of team. And, All right, 8.32, excuse me, 8.33, time flies when you're having fun here on the sports station WNSP. I'm Mark, that's Lee, Michael Bronner's in the house, it's the opening kickoff. All right, it's time to uh, talk about uh, the Big Ten, Michigan, Harbaugh, (laughs) and when we do that, we bring in from the Detroit News, Angelique Shingalis. Angelique, good morning, how are you this morning? Good morning. Now now that I heard that clip again, I'm wondering, are we we considered so-called experts? I'm not sure. I'm considering you an expert now. I put you in that category. <laughs> but well, let me ask you this, Angelique. How can anybody say they're an expert when it concerns Jim Harbaugh? He is the flakiest. <laughs> That's an excellent point. I'm serious. What did you make out of his press conference yesterday, if anything, besides he likes well, Judge Judy? <laughs> oh, the chickens? Yeah. Yeah, the chickens, too. Uh, you know, I thought that was sort of a vintage Harbaugh, kind of all over the place after he opened by saying, I'm not going to talk about anything, you know, involving the, the Big Ten situation. And then he did sort of talk about it a little bit. And 
you know, talking about the, the hearing on Friday and, and whether he gets a chance to speak and maybe he doesn't get a chance to speak and he took a civics class 40 years ago and <laughs> he's always wanted to be a judge like Judge Judy and a lawyer and all that stuff. And, and yes, the chickens he has. So, yeah, that was uh, – he was all over the place. Um, but, you know, at the end I was asking him about how he did find out about from the Big Ten about the suspension because – we landed like three minutes before the team landed. I could see the buses on the uh, the tarmac at State College, and um, they were definitely huddled once they got off the plane. And um, you know, he he said he didn't get any notification from the Big Ten. He just saw, saw it on social media. So I thought that was a, kind of an interesting little a little item. So, do you think? the Big Ten penalized him enough. And I'd like to know what kind of reaction you're getting. I would assume that in the state of Michigan, or at least around Ann Arbor, that you know everybody's, or most of them are in favor of him. But I'm wondering what kind of reaction to the penalty. Did it go far enough or too far? Well, I think really, I mean, in, in reading the uh, national people who cover college football, you know, I think Tony Petiti from the Big Ten is getting a lot of criticism just for how it came down on Friday. And, you know, here's the team's flying to State College. Harbaugh's on the plane, doesn't know, doesn't know, and then, boom, they land and, and they get the word. And then it, then there's the uh, obviously the hearing for the um, the temporary restraining order that, that was not ruled on. So that was a couple hours before the game. So, you know, a lot of drama. But, you know, I, I think, I mean, the vibe I was getting from people I was talking to, the Big Ten and, and different representatives um, who are working with Harbaugh and, and University of Michigan is that they thought that Petiti would go the um, monetary fine route and maybe wait until Monday to to come with that. Um, you know, it, it, in terms of the suspension, I mean, it, it's he's not coaching games. He's there all week. He's working with the team. He's, t- he's talking to the team. He's game planning, all those things. So um, I can see people saying, well, that's, this is not harsh. I mean, he's, he's just missing the game. But, you know, I, 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 you know, at the start of the season when Harbaugh had a, a school-imposed three-game suspension, I kind of wondered, well, is it that big of a deal for a head coach? Be, you know, they're there all week. Does it matter? And, and I do think, uh, talking to players, that it does matter to have your head coach on, on the sideline. And, you know, the Petiti was making it clear they did not want to penalize the players. And and I think if you are representing Jim Harbaugh, you could probably argue that well, this is this is harmful to the players not having the coach on the sideline. So you know, I don't know if it was enough or not enough, but you know, the Big Ten, like the NCA, apparently has said that they don't see any connection to Jim Harbaugh with this Connor Stallion thing. They don't think he was involved, that he knew about it. So um, take that for what it's worth uh, when you're lo- when you're determining a, a punishment. Angelique, I've always wanted to ask somebody this question. This is the first opportunity I'll ever have. What's it like to cover America's team? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the Cowboys. Um, yeah, right? Yeah. It's 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 unique. I mean, I've covered this team for a long time. This is the fifth coach I've covered, and he's easily the most unique um, and, and challenging and difficult at times. Um you know, he does, Jim Harbaugh forces you to ask a good question. If you ask him a yes-no question, he will answer yes or no. He will not. Most coaches will go on and on, and, and you know, they, they don't play that, that. I don't know if I want to call it a game. It's just how he is. But, um, yeah, I didn't know I was covering America's team. And, yeah. and that was probably not 
the best thing to say. I mean, this is a team that's been accused of, of a, you know, there's an alleged sign-stealing scandal, scheme, whatever you want to call it. So, but I get what he was going, you know, the whole adversity thing. And, and, you know, I do think one takeaway from all this, with all that pushed aside, this team has really impressed me in terms of the of their resilience and their ability to block out all the noise because there's been a lot of it as as you're you're you are more than uh, aware so angelique it, it appears to me and again i watch a lot of lawyer shows on tv so i, I apologize <laughs> for that but it appears to me this could be a one-sided hearing the judge he's a michigan grad is that true Correct. All yes. right, so that seems to be favor one thing there. Now, Harbaugh says he isn't sure he wants to talk, but he says he wants to talk, so I can't figure out what he wants to do. But I had this premonition, hypothetically speaking, I assume the Big Ten is there, right, to defend itself or no? They, they will have representatives. My understanding is this hearing on Friday, I think initially um, it, the expectation was that people like Harbaugh and Petiti would be there to, I don't even know if testify is the right word, but speak um, to the judge. And I don't think that's going to be the case. I think this is going to be left up to the judges. I mean, pardon me, the lawyers representing both sides. So I don't think you're going to hear Jim Harbaugh speak in court. I don't think you're going to hear Tony Petiti. Um, Harbaugh said he will be in court. Um, I don't know if Petiti will be. Uh, my understanding is there will be Big Ten representation, obviously. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it went from me thinking this was going to be just, you know, uh, uh, till 3 in the afternoon on Friday from starting at 9, 6 hours of, of all these different people standing up. But I, I think it's, and probably correctly so, this is going to be the lawyers who have a handle on this to keep the emotion out of it. I mean, the judge doesn't want to deal with all that. The judge wants to hear what they have to say and then make a ruling on a, on a temporary, uh, a preliminary injunction. So here's my thing that would make this really scintillating. So here's the case, and they're hearing all this boring talk. And then the lawyers for the Big Ten say, wait a minute, we have a secret witness. And they <laughs> usher in Connor Stallions. To talk against, to tell him what happened. Wouldn't that be terrific? Oh my gosh! Well, he'd have to come in in disguise, like yeah, uh, yeah. you know. Apparently, he was uh, on the Central Michigan sideline. Um, you know, it's interesting, and I got the personnel file finally yesterday from University of Michigan on Connor Stallions, and included the letters saying you need to be at this disciplinary meeting that he skipped and. And, you know, in that in the letter, one of the letters, it was uh, someone from Human Resources says, you you know, you have not been cooperating with the investigation, Michigan's or the NCAAs. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's why I don't know who he's cooperating with. He has a lawyer now. I believe the um, uh, Brad Beckworth, who represented Johnny Menzel. We haven't heard anything from Connor Stallion since his statement uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe 10, 12 days ago now. Um, but yeah, that would be pretty wild. Uh, I don't expect that to happen, but that would be, uh, I mean, you know, maybe we should expect it. There have been so many weird twists in this, so maybe that is the next one. Yeah, and if we're if we're playing this game, Angelique, Angelique Shingalis of Detroit <laughs> News, our guest here, why not bring Sharon Moore in to be a character witness for Jim Harbaugh? <laughs> and the chickens, and Harbaugh's right. chickens that he talked about. I believe and love this guy. Yeah, that was wild, man. That that Is post game was like, I, I I was like, wait, did Jim Harbaugh die? What happened? I, it was over the top. Yeah, I'd agree. I thought that was a it was a little emotional. I get it. You know, it, this was a tough time. He's he's thrown in as the uh, as the acting head coach, and and he certainly does love Jim Harbaugh, but. 
it was a little over the top, but I think, you know, there's some people who thought it was great and, and some, like, who thought it was a little over so, the top. So it is what it is now. Since we're, since we're off the rails, knowing that it's not your message but you're simply the messenger, is we have Paul Feinbaum joining us tomorrow. Is there a message mm-hmm. that uh, – or Thursday that uh, the, the Michigan Nation would like to, to, to relay to Paul? Because he seems like he's uh, enemy number one up there all of a sudden. Yeah, you know, it's not all of a sudden. I mean, he's been picking at Harbaugh really since year one. I mean, he, you know, I, I think I, I recall that first year he was calling um, Harbaugh the Donald Trump of college football. Wow. And um, I think initially when this first came out, Michigan fans were stunned because he seemed to be kind of supporting Harbaugh. And then, and then this took a different turn. And, you know, I, I, I think they love – they get riled up. Every time Paul Feinbaum says something, and I'm just like, you know, why? Why do you care? I mean, it's right. he's entitled to it, his, his opinion, and it's you know, I I like Paul. I think he's very smart, and, and I think part of it maybe he believes it, but it's also a little bit of shtick, and um, you know, he, he pokes this bear, and and they respond. So um, I think you you get the sense that they're not pleased with him, but I, I always say, well, turn it off. You know, why do you listen if it bothers you so much? I got a, a a question, I guess, more to the future. I, I saw, I guess it was a while back, and I'm sure you're aware of this, where they, they had a contract, but they pulled it back. Is everybody in the administration at Michigan on board with Harbaugh? Are they getting kind of tired of all this, the NCAA investigation, now the Big Ten? I mean, I, I know they're not going to fire him, but is there some degree of people there that would just like to see him move on to the NFL? Oh, I, I think that there's probably some, but, you know, I, I think that um, it was temporarily withdrawn. That was what how it was described to me. So pause. And because they were they were moving toward a, a contract, an offer was made. And, you know, I don't think it was like, you know, it wasn't written out yet. I mean, this was still in the you know, we're going to go back and forth negotiate stage. Um, but I do think that he's got the support of, of Santa Ono, the president of, of the University of Michigan. He has the support of the Board of Regents. And, um, you know, his comments yesterday about how this has all galvanized the University of Michigan fan base, the alumni, the players, uh, I think that's all that's it's accurate. I mean, I, I think you saw the clips of him walking in with the team after the Penn State, after they arrived from Penn State. They went to the hockey game at Yost, and the place was chanting free Jim Harbaugh yeah. and an expletive Tony Batiti. So, um, <laughs> you know, they're seeing the support. And, um, you know, I, I would expect at some point, maybe after Friday, they, they go back to discussing the contract terms. And, um, now, I mean, he still has to sign it. I mean, maybe this is – maybe he's seeing NFL jobs open, and maybe he's getting – he'll get a call from one or two of these teams, and maybe he considers it. He will be 60 in – in December. So to me, this is, I don't want to say now or never, but it's, it's getting close. I mean, they're not hiring older coaches in the NFL these days. So if that's still something that, that he wants to do, um, I'll be curious once there is, because I expect there will be a contract, but once there is, will he sign it or, or will he wait? And, and will we have another, what I call Harbuary um, after at the start of the year? And we wait and see what, uh, what Jim Harbaugh is going to do. There's so many layers to this. This big 10 thing is just step one, right? Isn't it possible when the NCAA and we know how quickly they act that, you know, if they come back next year, they could even suspend him further. They could. I mean, there's also the unresolved other NCAA investigation that they received the uh, notice of 
of the draft of the notice of allegations, pardon me, in January about the impermissible recruiting visits. And, and Harbaugh still faces a level one um, violation for misleading the investigators in that in the other investigation. And, and that's not resolved. And, and they think that that's probably going to go to a hearing in, in probably March, April, so early in the spring. Um, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see how quickly they move on this one. I, I think that, that they are moving faster. I think that they've got – the NCAA has the information from the private investigative firm that, that had spoken to the Washington Post about what, they've, what they had discovered um, about Connor Stallions and, and the computers at Michigan and, and what they contained about, about the sign-stealing scheme. So, you know, talking to lawyers about that, the issue with, with the Connor Stallions situation is that with the head coach responsibility rule that was revised in January, the head coach doesn't really have wiggle room now. They used to. They could say, oh, I, I didn't know what assistant coach X was doing, yeah. and, um, and they're absolved. But this is different now, and, and what, they, what the NCAA decides to hand – Connor Stallions is something that the head coach would, that Jim Harbaugh would absorb. So um, there are there are so many layers to this story, and I, and they also could have, and I don't think they're going to, but they could have waited. They could have held off on the first investigation and, and combined them, um, which some lawyers thought would be better versus having the separate ones, and then there could be a repeat offender kind of situation. So. There's a lot going on, and, and, you know, I think the NCAA is moving a little faster on this one. So um, glacial pace usually, but this one may be moving a little faster. She's Angelique Shangala. She covers uh, Michigan for the Detroit News. Another minute or two here. All right, so uh, mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the other talking points, and this was brought up at, on each of the two college football playoff ranking shows, uh, was does the committee take this kind of stuff into consideration? And – should there be something done about, I guess, Michigan's ability to get into the Final Four with all of this hanging over their heads? How much of a talking point is, hey, Michigan might have cheated. Should they get into the college football playoff at all? Uh, how much of that is happening in Michigan? And do you think that should be a consideration moving forward as we get close to the, the postseason? Well, I've asked that on the. They have conference calls with reporters after the rankings are announced, and I asked. Um, I believe it was Bill Hancock on the the first call, and they, and again last week, and they just said, "Look, we merely rank teams based on what they do on the field. We're not an investigative body. We don't look at that. It's it's all about how we evaluate the teams." And and they've been steadfast. And the only yeah. thing I could find on the college football playoff. Um, rules or the protocols is that unless a team is is banned in the postseason then then you're eligible so um i said he even said we didn't talk about it i said how could you not talk about it he goes no we did not talk about you know this out these allegations and this investigation as as they considered michigan and also you know michigan's athletic director ward manual is on the selection committee so he is recused and uh, when they discussed Michigan, and last week he did not attend the meetings in Texas. He wanted to stay in Ann Arbor to to work with the lawyers as they prepared their response to the Big Ten. So he did not even attend the meetings, but will be back this week is my understanding. Um, well, it's already there because it's tonight. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting that, that, that they've been steadfast saying that they are they just evaluate the, the games, the teams. They don't uh, they don't consider anything else. I wanted to ask you, 
were you privy to the information on the manifesto by Connor Stallions? No, I, I that would be really uh, be a long read. What six hundred pages? <laughs> but uh, no, I have not heard anything about what it contained. I mean, generally, but not not specific. It sounds like a Netflix special, is what it sounds like. Uh, it does. Yeah, it does. So, Angelique, tell everybody how they can continue to follow the coverage of the the gift that keeps on giving all year round. <laughs> well, there's lots of coverage out there, but I, I work for the Detroit News, so it's just DetroitNews.com and. I'm at Chingelis on uh, Twitter or whatever we call it now. Twitter right. at Twix. Yeah, Twix. So. There you go. Hey, great stuff. Thanks for spending some time with us. I, I know it's a busy um, time, and uh, I guess no vacation for you this year. <laughs> Wait, that's pretty much every year. Oh, right, right. <laughs> well, at least we know why you can't take vacation this year. So uh, That's true. Thank and, you. No, and, always a pleasure. I appreciate it. Yep, enjoyed the time. All right, one final segment. You guys can uh, react. Uh, we'll set the table for the rest of the day, give you a sneak peek into tomorrow's show. You know, the same old, same old. It's the uh, opening kickoff, one final segment, right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Hi, I'm former Major League Baseball player Bernie Carbo. I listen to WNSP 105.5. Love every minute of it. Thanks to uh, Angelique Shingala. She's always never disappoints. I mean, there's we could have probably had her on for an hour. It's just the most bonkers story in college football this year. Uh, it's just it's just wild. Yeah, we kind of ran out of time. I'm kind of curious from a reporter standpoint. Is she? I mean, Michigan's in the midst of which could be a terrific season. They're undefeated, uh, ranked in the you know the top two, three. I'm curious if she enjoys covering the games more or what's going on off the field more the shenanigans that are going on well look there's been, there are some people that are adamant that they should not be in the college football playoff simply because this is kind of hanging over their head i'm not i don't really feel one way or the other about it at this point um but there there is a segment of the population and a bunch of talking heads that are adamant that they should not be allowed to participate <laughs> What do you what do you think? Yes sir. Oh you just you just said you don't Yeah, I mean I don't one. I don't have a I don't think they should be kept out until the final results are in from the NCAA. <laughs> I mean this hearing on Oh okay, sure okay. I thought expedited. you meant the college football poll. I'm sorry. No, okay. no, no. I think uh, the hearing on Friday is nothing more than a charade. I mean you got the judges of Michigan. Obviously they're going to probably lift the suspension temporarily, I would think. I would I would be shocked if the Michigan Wouldn't judge that be some if he came down? Ruin and, favor yeah. of Michigan here. Well, so, well, silly. so so Harbaugh would get up and do his best Tom Cruise. Yeah. He'll thunder away at Kittrick. Yeah. You don't what was the the, the famous line? You can't handle the truth. You can't handle that. He would yeah. tell that to the judge. Yeah. You can't handle the truth. I would love if they paraded stallions in there. Just think <laughs> about that. Would I that strenuously be, object, Your Honor. The talking heads that say Michigan shouldn't be. Uh, are they coming from the state of Ohio? I mean, wait. actually, it's uh, I, I heard first take has, has been pretty much on this bandwagon. Um, what are we doing here? I mean, you think you think you don't think they should? Uh, no, I again, like I've said this from the start, like I just don't really care. 
Like, I just want the season to play out. And if you want to deal with it after, he's going to leave anyway. Maybe he's not. I don't I don't know. We've well, been saying that for two years that he's going to leave. And he, 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 like, two years ago, he, it was almost mandated he was leaving for the Vikings, right? Yeah, they were. How did with that fall else? through? I don't know. I don't know I mean, if they went with someone interview. else or, or maybe he, he does an interview with No, so I, what, I think he could have had that job so if he wanted it. What happens, Michael, in a year or two years from now or whenever? Let's say Michigan gets to the college football playoff. Let's say they win it this year. Mm-hmm. And it comes out after, for whatever reason, whatever we don't know now comes out now that they were indeed cheating and doing all the things and and, and Har- Harbaugh and Harbaugh knew. Would that change your opinion? Would you would you be like, man, they they need to be disciplined. They they should have the trophy taken away. No, you know how I feel about stripping of titles. So like, no, <laughs> the season's just gonna play out. They've been caught, so they're gonna have to play Ohio State. Like if they beat Ohio State this year, win the Big Ten. Like, is anyone gonna question that? They just beat down Penn State without Harbaugh, for that yeah. matter. Which you know, say what you want about how much that means. Again, and I don't like Michigan. I I hate the entire Big Ten. I, I oh, wish the entire is. conference yeah. would took, go away. It took uh, what two, two hours, hours and fifty seven yeah. minutes, but we got and it how in there. different if Michigan goes all the way? How different would this be in the mind of the public? What the Houston Astros did? That's where I was kind of going. Oh, it's right? not the same thing. I don't think it's the same thing at all. They're both stealing signals. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're, they're <laughs> the Astros still, were they're, banging on a trash can. <laughs> well, I guess you can make the similar. case. Similar. I mean, it's similar. I, sure. I, I guess. I mean, it's similar. against the Big Ten rules to go out and videotape other people's signs. Uh, mm. I'm just sick of hearing about it. Just put them on the sideline. Deep down in places you don't talk about in court or press conferences, you want me on that sideline. You need me on that sideline. Ugh. In two hours and 58 minutes into our show, we have the best app end of the show. Well done. We're back tomorrow at 6. Until then, see ya.